Katie, and welcome everyone to a brand new week. I'm standing on my soapbox. It is Monday, April 1st, 2019, April Fool's Day, everybody. I'm your host, Scott Fullerton. In just a couple of seconds, I'll be joined by my esteemed co-host, actor and writer, Mr. Craig Hurley. We're looking forward to another great week of talk radio where we'll talk to you every Monday through Friday here at 1 o'clock Pacific Time, 4 o'clock Eastern Time. We'll talk about the news of the day, politics, pop culture. We hope you'll be part of the conversation. Call in and talk to us, 347-989-0126. That's 347-989-0126. Tell us what's on your mind on the topics of the day or start one of your own. So let's go ahead and get started. Mr. Craig Hurley, how the heck are you? That's 347-989-0126. What's going on, dude? There you go. Ooh, you are even deeper than usual today. You got that deep voice going. You're Mr. Microphone. I love your radio voice. Today. Really, am I Mr. Microphone? I actually had one of those mm-hmm. when I was when I was a kid. <laughs> really? Yeah. Nice. It would. Oh, it had. It was like the first wireless thing that we ever had. So as kids, and uh, well, it would attach to like your AM radio in your car. Right. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> I love it. Hey, I have a bone to pick with you, Mister. Um, you didn't. You didn't talk about the weather until the last three seconds of the show on Friday. So how was I? Hey, know that uh, I had you know snow- what, people? I had snow showers yesterday in Ohio. <laughs> I was expecting snow showers. What the hell? I was no, I, you know, people. No, people. Part of the criticisms, because you know, I, I I actually like criticisms of my work on the show, and on this show. And I and I prefer, you know, just straight up criticism rather than constructive. I mean, there's a lot of people that are like, oh, we really love it. We really love it. And it's like, well, what do you love about it? And and also, what do you hate about it? You know, what did I you know, what in there? Is there anything that I'm messing up on? And part of that is I talk about the weather way too much. So (laughs) I all last week barely talked about the weather. The only thing that I said is that there's five different storm systems that I saw that over the next, well, now it'll be over the next week because that was like last Wednesday that I said that, um, uh, over the next week we'll be hit by the next three that I saw coming. So yeah, I, I well, kind I of barely touched on it on Friday. I was like jacket on. And I got snowed on yesterday, and I wasn't happy. Uh-huh. So I didn't get my reminder from Mr. Craig Hurley. <laughs> <laughs> I have to remind everybody. Yeah, no, Cleveland Cleveland got pummeled, didn't they? Ohio just got pummeled. It it just blew around. didn't stick, thank goodness. But, yeah, it was coming down. No. It was hard to drive. It was coming down pretty good. Yeah, it and it happened in Chicago, too, for just a short period of time. Uh, we had basically blizzard conditions that didn't stick. The same thing happened, like, you know, a couple hours before you guys got hit. So, like, four hours before. Right, yeah. So, what you guys do this weekend? Let me guess. Did you maybe pack? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, no, that's all I've been doing is packing and moving stuff. So, and just constantly. It's, it, it's, a, it's a daily thing. So, uh, it's all right. Like yeah. I said, I should start a company. I should start a moving company. Hey, I got any echoes or anything going on? Are we all good? As no, actually, crystal clear. Excellent. Crystal Excellent. clear. A lot so of stuff going, going on, on, dude. Anything yeah, a lot of exciting? stuff 
in the news. Um, I, I, I've been I've been talking about how recycling is a freaking sham and has been a sham since the beginning of recycling. Um, and currently, what happened is China, uh, with the tariffs that we have been implementing over the last two years, their response is, okay, we're no longer accepting your plastics. We're no longer accepting your recyclables unless they are 99.5% contaminant free. So that's why we have this big old patch of, of garbage floating around the Pacific Ocean. I'm pretty sure that thing is the size of Texas now. I mean, it's, it's the size of a state. It's really dumb. Uh, humans are really, really dumb. Reef pretty soon. Yeah, no, exactly. Actually, it probably already is. Um, you know, I, I'm sure there's a bunch of, of sea life that have taken, you know, they've taken it as a house. Um, and as a shelter, uh, mm-hmm. and there's also sea life that we're creating because they are evolving around that plastic. So it's not, you know, they're, they're learning how to live within our garbage. That's pretty disgusting. Um, you know, we're causing these, we're, we're causing a lot of malformities and, uh, also disorders where because of our prescription drug use that has nothing to do with the plastics. But because we dump prescription drugs into our water supply and into our oceans, uh, dolphins and and different sea life are acting like they have different problems. Alzheimer's, dementia, all this stuff is coming into play for sea life. Mm. And it's yeah, it's really messed up. Um, But back to the plastics uh, and the recyclables. Uh, it's, it seems to be everybody mainstream is talking about it right now. So it, they're calling it wish cycling. And, and, and I've been saying this for freaking ever, dude, forever on recycling. I, okay. They hire people to sift through a conveyor belt of garbage that is supposedly recyclables that we put in there in our households. We all have these separate containers for right. recyclables. Put in contaminated materials like, I don't know, a, a, a tissue that I just blew my nose with. Um, like a uh, sauce uh, left uh, in a tomato can or something. Uh, yeah, yeah some something. sauce left in a, in a tomato can. Uh, a noodle left inside of a freaking soup can. Um, uh, you know, all of these things that are recyclable but are contaminated because we just don't wash them off before we throw them into the recycling and there's other things that should just not be um recycled uh uh, uh, pizza boxes you know we think it's cardboard no it's loaded with grease it's loaded with pepperoni or sausage or cheese or whatever the hell you just got on your pizza and and then you throw it into the recycling and they end up throwing it into a landfill if they can catch it. And, and they've got these, <laughs> I watched this whole thing on, on recycling. And, and they've got these conveyor belts. They actually pay people to stand at, at these conveyor belts that are doing like 90 miles an hour. I'm not kidding. These, these conveyor <laughs> belts are hauling ass past these people. It's got to be extremely dangerous, first of all, to be reaching into garbage that's moving past you at 90 miles an hour and worrying about your hands getting ripped off 
by the conveyor oh belt. That's, it, that's just got to be extremely dangerous. The safety standards are, are really dumb. This whole process is really, really, really dumb. And, and they're doing I, that for looking for a noodle in the soup can? They're looking they're for, no, they're looking for styrofoam because styrofoam is not recyclable. Not. Has a 5,000-year half-life, ladies and gentlemen. Please stop using it. Please stop using it. You use it one time. Once. You use it one time. This is uh, extreme convenience. And then you throw it away or you put it into recyclables and it's not recyclable. Has a 5,000 year half-life. Wow. And half-life means that it'll keep breaking down in halves. So you go from 5,000 to 2,500, 2,500 to whatever the half of that is, uh, 11, whatever. So it it keeps breaking down that way. Say what? said 1250 i'm good at math i'm quick the 1250 at there you go yeah exactly <laughs> and and it keeps breaking down that way over thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years you use it one time stop using styrofoam even the even the people that made styrofoam in the first place the family that made styrofoam have asked people to stop making styrofoam i mean stop using styrofoam and i know it's virtually impossible because it comes in as packing material it comes in everything that we buy from tvs to whatever so, right. you know, it's virtually impossible to not use it. But as far as convenience for your food, are, are, are you freaking kidding me? Ask for some aluminum foil, because at least aluminum foil, when it goes into a landfill because it's contaminated and should not be recycled. God, people are so dumb. Um, and uh, the the I just I, dude, it frustrates me so much, man, that that the process just from the get-go, is, is, is extremely retarded. And I do mean that in a scientific sense. I do mean that slowed and hindered. We, we, we really need to start to figure this out at the beginning, which is us at our houses. So it's only plastics, plastic bottles, and glass bottles that need to go into our recycling. Everything else that's used, make sure you wash it off before you throw it into your recycling. Everything else that's used... When in doubt, throw it out, I think is the, the, the phrase that they are now using at waste management across the country. When in doubt, throw it out. Um, but it's still at waste management. Guys, dude, couldn't you hire somebody to just wash this stuff off? Couldn't you, couldn't you just hire somebody to, to, to clean it going into recycling? I, the, how right. about a big vat of water? And, you know, some type of, I don't know, Lysol. You guys dump chemicals into all sorts of shit. So might as well, you know, use a a chemical that we're already used to, that we're already being poisoned by. So use that chemical and freaking dissolve whatever's on that plastic or that glass, Uh, you know, and then filter it off. And why not use that energy from that garbage that you need to cook off some way? Don't just dump it somewhere. Cook it off. Most of it's organic. Use that energy as well. That's the whole thing with the cow farts. That's a, it's, it's all about recycling. Nobody wants to get rid of cows. I love a good steak. I just had an Italian beef yesterday. So, you know, I, I Italian beef sandwich, um, by the way, from Paul's right over here uh, in, uh, in uh, I don't know oh, where they're located. Don't start they're me Mar- on that tangent I'm Oh, dude. Okay. Dude. I'll take your word. Dude, yeah. No, well, this is, this is about what we Paul's. It's what we eat. It's about what we Gail King was was going nuts over the uh, the conveyor belt thing 
She's like, that conveyor belt's going way too fast for them to pick out any styrofoam <laughs> or anything. It was really funny. Um, and, and yeah, that's, that's my point too. You, you don't, you don't even need that. You need to slow it all down. You need to hire some more people and you need to clean that shit off before you go to recycle it. And also it needs to start at home. We need to, all of us, we need to start at home. The things that can be recycled, recycle them. The things that can't throw them away, just throw them away, dude. Just put them in the garbage. They'll end up in a landfill. That way they're not rejected by places like China and not floating around the Pacific Ocean. Right. We should find a way to actually recycle all those things. I, I, I uh, via floodwater relocation program, which is just an innovation in design in order to help us with the with the adverse effects of drought. And people are just so dumb. Um, and, and it just gets water from one place that there's too much water to another, all of the pipes, uh, at least my idea on this is to actually all of the plastics that are out of, uh, uh, landfills that are in landfills currently, or even in the Pacific patch, the plastics that we can't recycle, there's a, there's a chemical breakdown that has to happen to those plastics. There's only certain plastics that, that can be recycled anyway. Um, and the, do that chemical breakdown. And once again, while you're doing that chemical breakdown, you're creating jobs, a, a bunch of them. Um, and you're also use that energy from the creative, I mean, from the chemical breakdown of those plastics to, to use, get more energy. We're just wasting energy relying on coal and oil. It doesn't make any sense. There's a shit ton of energy out here, literally a shit ton. That's what we're getting back to the cows. Um, you know, that, that there's so much energy that's, that's wasted that we can harness. It's about harnessing those, like, instead of letting the cows fart outside, you have them fart inside so that you can actually contain the methane and then use the methane for energy. So, you know, we were talking about that a couple weeks ago, that one farm in Iowa actually did, I guess. Because it is heavier, methane is a heavier gas, that it, you just suck it down through the grates underneath the cows and stuff, and they brought it, they take it through pipes down into the, the recycling where they reuse the energy. Had a couple farms in Iowa, it's already happening. But you're right, it can be done very easily. Oh, yeah. That, 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 and, and that's what I'm talking about when it comes to transferring the qualifications of any one job. Any coal miner. Instead of going down into a hole and, and you know what, I, 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 more power to you if you're, if you're able to do that, but, but instead of going down to a, into a hole and getting black lung and possibly dying of some disorder from your, from lung disease or disease, yeah, some disease when you're in your early forties, um, you can actually work above ground and in some areas of alternative energy that we actually haven't even designed yet that we actually haven't even come up with yet. It's all innovations and in design at this point is what we have. Our, right. our engineers, our engineers have, they did their best. They did their best and for what they had to work with and what we understand, but we have as a population, uh, we have grown tremendously. We, we have out, outgrown what they planned on us, uh, on us being. And we have also, 
as far as the storms and the weather is concerned, we have underestimated in our engineering. We have underestimated what uh, weather and 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 climate can do to us. And so, in order to kind of prevent that, it's it's almost you know it's it's basic Cub Scout motto type shit. It's you know be prepared. I, you know, understand that these things are going to happen and that you just have to be prepared for them. So that's that's where I'm looking at as far as innovation is and design is concerned. And that's what that's what things like the Green New Deal are about. It's all about innovations. It's about just shifting it and doing it a different way. She just, when it came to the Green New Deal, dude, you can't have anybody paying for it. You can't. It's got to be the same monies got to be this exact same monies that are there right um that are allotted either federal or state in order to implement any of the new ideas it has to be the exact same money you can't use any more monies unless you get donations unless you get some bigger companies that are willing to turn and go yeah i'll fund this you know there's there's people out there like t boom pickens who he's a billionaire who is a billionaire on oil and now he's all water everything that he does is water He's purchasing right. all these little pieces of property from the Mississippi River all the way through Texas so that he can run water pipelines when necessary because we all are going to run out of water quick. So, you know, right. we, we really have to have to work with this and figure it out. Well, it's like we said on the show a bunch of times, you just have to start listening and making up innovative ways to do things. Like they, instead of giving the Amazon all those tax breaks, which is why they didn't do New York, Give them the tax breaks, but they have to donate an equal amount of money to something like that. I mean, I have no problem with finding different ways to do things because they have the money. It's not like they don't have the billions of dollars that they have. So instead of ruining, uh, getting all upset about a company coming in and give them all these billion dollars in tax breaks, give them whatever tax breaks they want, but then they have to offset that by donating to something like a portion of the Green New Deal or a portion or something for Special Olympics. There's so many ways we can do things in our economy that don't take a lot of, don't take a lot of ingenuity. It's just some creative financing and it could happen very easily, but nobody wants to go that far. And it's pretty sad, really. We kind of have to. So that's what's happening. Um, and that's, you know, why we keep coming up against he, he, he wants to continue to get monies for a while, and, and yet we have much more. Like, what day of are, are we still in a national emergency? Aren't we? Aren't we? Aren't we? Aren't we still there? We are, are, what day are we on? Day, like day five hundred of the national emergency now. What, what freaking day are we on? This is fucking ludicrous. I, I Excuse my language. It must be thirty-six or thirty-seven. I don't know. It's it's really dumb. And, you know, he's still continuing all of that. We've got much, we've got bigger problems, man. We have much bigger problems. And the majority of the immigrants that are coming here now were already deported and all they want are their kids back because their kids were stolen from them at the border. You guys are disgusting. 347 Let's talk about this whole border thing and Trump thinking about closing this border down all of a sudden. Dude, how do you close a border? What, are you stupid? He's stupid. That's just stupid. We, we have trade. We live understand. in North America with the Mexico, with Mexico. What, what is, what is wrong with you people? What is wrong with you people? 
347-989-0126. Please tell me what the hell is wrong with you. I don't understand how we're going to close the border down of everything, not just illegal immigrants. We're going to stop all traffic, all truck driving, all anything, any kind of commerce. We're just going to close the border down. I mean, you have to be just insane to come up with these ideas out of your butt. I don't understand where they get all these things. And I mean, not are we going to close the border so we don't get immigrants coming in. We're not going to help the countries that these guys are coming from in the first place. Which yeah, they're coming they're, from Honduras. They're, they're not. Aid. They're not coming. Yeah, they're coming from Central America and South America. They're not coming from Mexico, guys. The Mexican Mexicans don't really want to be here. <laughs> not at this point. No freaking way. They don't really want to be here. They actually have a decent country, where the other countries that are in South America, because it's located in North America, guys are so freaks. Mexico actually owned part of the United States before you conquerors came over and kicked them out and had a war with them. They actually owned it. California, what? Arizona, New Texas, Mexico, Arizona, yeah. New Mexico. Uh, what about that place? <laughs> New Mexico. You guys are freaks. You can't even come up with a good name for a state that you steal. Yeah, I mean, El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, all of them are cut off from aid from the U.S. So now they're going to, we're going to cut off the aid to the countries that are actually coming here. And he's, then we're going to close the border. Doing... So once they get here, they have no place else to go back to. No aid there. And they're, they're under freaking freeway tunnels or freeway overpasses in more cages. It's just ridiculous. I don't understand. Ah. <sighs> Got to get off my soapbox and onto some oxygen here. It's going to drive me crazy. <laughs> we're done. <laughs> Anybody got any Valium? No. There anyway. Um, but uh, yeah, on to. Oh wait. Oh, I saw uh, 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 Pete uh, Mayor Pete. I saw Pete Buttigieg on. Uh, did I pronounce that correctly? Buttigieg. Um, Very good. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm a fan. Um, uh, I thought he did. I saw him on Bill Maher over the weekend on Friday and I think he killed it. Uh, I think he's, he's a good representation of what this country actually is. Um, he, I, I, I'm not sure that the United States is ready for a gay president. Um, I'm not sure that they're ready for a first man instead of a first lady, um, cause he is married. And from what I can tell, his husband's a sweetheart. Um, so I, I'm just not sure, but I do think that they are ready for a, a gay male president over a woman. So, which is really sad, but it's glaringly obvious on this last right. um, presidential, uh, you know, all of this with Clinton and, and 45. So, um, you know, I, I, I think that the, that the United States isn't ready for a, a woman president, but um, could possibly be ready for a gay president. And a married gay president. So, uh, and, but I, I think it's going to be really important for his, for to see who his running mate is. Um, right. I, I think you know all of that's going to come into play coming up here. Um, 
I yeah, it was a good I know interview. that. I mean, I was I thought Mar pressed him pretty hard in the opening interview, and yeah. I think he came back with some good answers to it. But by the end, in the overtime, if you watch the overtime, I think Mar was yeah, on I board. I think it was pretty yeah. good. Yeah, he almost endorsed him. It felt like an endorsement from Bill Maher, and right. that's a that's a pretty big that's a pretty big endorsement. Um, right. You know, normally I, I I I like Bill Maher. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I'm a fan of his comedy. Um, I'm a fan of his show. But also, I I I, I I'm always right down the middle, dude. I, I I'm always looking at people like, what's their motivation to be on his show? And a good 75% of the time, people are selling books. And I'm just like, oh, my God, how many of these books right. did you not read, Bill? And, you know, and you're sitting there saying that it's a great book. And I'm just like, no, nah, you know, I can't. Anytime that somebody's on there and they're just trying to sell a book, I, I, I kind of get bored. I kind of get turned off by it. So right. I'd rather hear the conversations. I'd rather hear, you know, the intelligence of their guests instead of I'm just trying to sell this book. Um, you know, just self-publish, go on Amazon, do whatever the hell you have to do. You know, that's what we do <laughs> out here, um, uh, us writers. So, uh, you know, I you get the opportunity to go on Bill Maher. You better talk some shit. You better start talking because that's what it is. It's, it's a talk show. Um, exactly. So, but I, I'm, I'm a little concerned and so was uh, Bill Maher about uh, Mayor Pete um, and 45 attacking his sexuality. And Mar wasn't as concerned as, as I am. Um, uh, he kind of was like, yeah, you know, you can get through that. But I, I really do think he, Mayor Pete needs to um, uh, be able to like attack back. You know, I mean, just the he stuff that I think unfortunately, he absolutely to has to. If he starts attacking him yeah. and starts making fun of him and, and all of that, dude, you got to drop that bully. You got to drop that right. bully. And, you know, there's a number of different ways to do it. You can do it by using your wit um, because bullies are easily outwitted. So um, because exactly. most of them are really dumb. So, you know, you can you can do it that way. And there are a number of different jokes that we can make about his sexuality or lack thereof, uh, you know, such as uh, Stormy Daniels saying that he had Yeti pubes. The dude has Yeti pubes, man. That is so gross. <laughs> that is disgustingly gross, man. Sasquatch pubes, Yeti pubes. That is so freaking gross. I, I just uh, what you know, and 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 it's like you ever hear of manscaping, bro? We have electric razors now, you know. Be careful, there you can you cut go. yourself still. But you know, it's like you, you ever hear of manscaping? It's like Yeti pubes, dude. It's so gross. It's so gross. So you know, there's a number of different things that we can ta attack oh, man, him on, exactly. like, like the P tape, just... like the Russian P tape from the Russian hookers that still has not come out. Where is it? Please, Putin, come on, come on, come on. Putin, he's got to be embarrassed right now because of uh, no collusion. Dude, the whole time he said he had number 45 in his... The whole time he's been right. saying that. And what? No, he doesn't? He's got to be embarrassed as hell, dude, that the FBI is like, yeah, no collusion. By the way, it, yes, no collusion, but there never really was in the first place. You can't really... It's not illegal. It's not illegal to collude. What is illegal is obstruction. And that has not been disproven at this point. 
We have not exactly. seen this this report. As soon as everybody sees the report, that'd be great. Then we can all start making statements. But until then, no one has seen anything. You cannot verify not one damn thing except for the no collusion. Which, well, that gives you know, us a great the collusion happened a long time ago. I'm going to take I'm going to take your point on this, and we're going to have a little segue here. Because did you happen to watch SNL this weekend? Yes, I did. Absolutely. I'm going to play the cold open that has Mueller played by, of course, Robert De Niro and Barr played by, oh, what's her name? I got to look at it real quick because she's freaking amazing. Uh, A.D. Bryant. And, of course, Trump played by Alec Baldwin. This is a cold open. So we're going to take, since we're 29 minutes, this will give you a little extra cigarette break. Yeah, about a no, four and a half minutes. No, no, no. I like to. I, I, I want to talk in between this stuff. So let's okay, just leave us go ahead and leave us open. I don't need a break yet. We'll yeah. take a break afterward. This is the Mueller report on SNL uh, cold open from this weekend, guys. And now Robert Mueller finishes his report. William Barr summarizes the report, and Donald Trump tweets his reaction to the summary. <laughs> That's for Robert De Niro, obviously. Dear Attorney General Barr, officials from the Justice Department, and esteemed members of Congress. Hey, guys. William Barr here. You might want to sit down She's for so this friggin' one. funny. Guess what, guess what, guess what? Daddy is about to freak. <laughs> I am submitting these 380 pages. I am writing almost four pages. I am reading zero pages. But Sean Hannity has read it, and he was so excited that he texted me an eggplant. (laughs) On the charge of obstruction of justice, we have not drawn a definitive conclusion. But I have, and my conclusion is Trump clean as a whistle. Free at last, free at last. Dude, I couldn't believe that they actually said that. There were several questionable incidences involving the president's team, but we cannot prove a criminal connection. No collusion, no diggity, and no bout. (laughs) (laughs) However, we have invited 34 individuals in connection with this probe. Baldwin deserves an Emmy for this performance. The pardons are already in the mail. I've included hundreds of pages of evidence. Most of it provided on live television by the president himself. Russia, if you're watching, go to bed. Daddy won. (laughs) And I should remind everyone, there are still several other ongoing investigations. One or two tiny investigations. No, and there's some major investigations, investigations. into Democrats, exactly. TV shows that have been mean to me, and Puerto Rico. That's right. I want my paper towels back, amigos. <laughs> Somebody Dude, from the Trump team might have met. They should send those Russians paper towels at back. At some point. Somebody distantly associated with Trump might have done something weird. Somebody once told me the world was gonna roll me. I am the sharpest tool in the shade. In conclusion, it is my hope that this report will be made public with a few redactions. 
hella redaction. We're going to black out everything except the words no and collusion. <laughs> Overall, there is an abundance of circumstantial evidence. But no concrete evidence. If you shoot at the devil, you best not miss. Did somebody say devil? <laughs> Kate McKinnon popping up as Rudy Giuliani is pretty funny. But that's the gist of it there. Rudy, I just thought they played it, it off really, really well. And uh, that 80 girl that played Barr, she is so funny. Have you heard, seen that new show, Shrill, that she does on Hulu? No, I haven't seen it yet. It Dude, is there's so much. hilarious. Uh, there's so much yeah. on good TV on right now, and there's so much things to subscribe to. But if you're watching... Hulu, look up Shrill. Our buddy Stan Zimmerman that was on our show last week, he says it's one of the probably the best written comedies he's seen in a long time. They did a uh, a fat babe pool party episode where they had over sixty women oversized twenty four on. Freaking hilarious! I got to tell you, it's she, and she's just great in it. But let's go ahead and take a quick break. We have that cigarette break. I have some chocolate cool. hazelnut coffee. I'm trying out. We'll play a little Z Machine, power back, and we'll be back in three minutes, guys. Give us a call, 347-989-0126. Give me the power back. Give me the power back. Another smiling face gone to waste, playing inspired now. Giving too much to feel the heat. So close your eyes, no surprise, time ain't no stranger now So give me the power back before it's gone forever And if the feeling that you're feeling start to show Pray to God you remember them, holding on till you reach the end Cause when you're lying, everybody knows Ooh, this ain't a love song, baby, we don't need another one of those Give me back the control, and I'll be blowing your mind. Oh, bitch, your life I'll be taking no prisoners anymore. So don't waste my time. Why you gotta complain? All the drama ain't free. When the music you make out, you feeling some type of way. Just shut up and be who you be. I'm getting fever dreams, saying things I don't believe in now. But my reflection looks alright I guess as long as you got the view They say that you need it There's no giving the power back Until the show is over And if the feeling that you're feeling start to show Pray to God you remember them Holding on till you reach the end Cause when you're lying everybody knows Ooh, this ain't a heartbreak, baby
righty, we are back. You're on listening to Standing on My Soapbox. Give us a call, 347-989-0126. That's 347-989-0126. Hey, I need to stand on my soapbox for a second on off topic here okay. because this really pisses me off. And I'm standing on since I can stand on my soapbox, I want to talk about it. Um so we all know how car dealerships rip you off, I guess, when you're trying to get something fixed, I guess. I've always heard that, but I finally had firsthand knowledge today. Um, last week, I took my car in to the dealership I bought it from and had the privilege of paying them $105 to tell me what was wrong with it, and it would cost me $1,075 to repair it. And I thought, okay, well, this is ridiculous. I'm not going to pay you $1,075 for XYZ. So I have a mechanic group that I used to use here that I thought I'd bring it over to check instead. I brought it to them this morning, and they were, mind you, the dealership was going to keep it keep it for like a week because they needed to order parts. This was last Friday, so I said, no, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to take it home, and I'll think about it. So I brought it today to a regular automobile repairman um, that has his own automobile shop, not a dealership. And I said, this is what I was told was wrong with it. Can you tell me what it costs to fix it? And da 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 da. Well, he finished it four hours later, and it cost five hundred and twenty-five dollars for the exact same stuff the dealership wanted a thousand seventy-five for. So, wow! Can you believe that? Um, I I normally don't go to dealers for like work on my truck uh, or my vehicles. I'll. I'll go for like they're really good at oil changes <laughs> and <laughs> rotating the tires. You know they're they're really good at that, um, and they're good at reprogramming the head unit if it's a factory installed head unit. So, I, you know, I it, that's pretty much the only thing that I would go to them for. I I wouldn't I, I wouldn't go to them for for anything major. They they they've. Uh, Dealers have always been known to charge way too much for the work that's being done. It's always been that way. So I kind of figured as much, but it's like, you know, and $110 just for the diagnostic to put it up in the air and look at it for literally 20 minutes. It's like, come on. But I'm fixed now for $550 less than I thought I was going to have to pay. So I am a happy camper. Soapbox dismount. Okay, we can go on now. <laughs> I'm good. Really? <laughs> I just had to get that off my chest. <laughs> I just want to bitch about car dealers. <laughs> had to bitch about car dealership for a second. Um, so what's your go-to next? So much stuff that happened this weekend. Want to go to Joe Biden for a bit? That guy's in a serious uh, oh, world of hurt. I, no <laughs> I yeah, I, I, Joe, I, I think he made a decent vice president and um, he might even make a decent president. However, there is something uh, very creepy about him. Um, and <laughs> but but the thing is, he's 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 genuine. That's the that I think is the problem is that he's genuine yeah, in his grandpa kind of way, not as a creepiness kind of way. Yeah, but yeah. no, you can't. I mean, you know, no, because George H.W. was creepy in a grandpa kind of way, too. And he would smack women on the <laughs> ass. So, you know, it's not very nice um, to be creepy in that way. Um, I, 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 I'm, I'm not sure how to actually describe what I'm saying, um, because he's he's 
genuine in his adoration for people and people tend to take that as creepy. So, you know, it's, it, 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 it's hard to, it's hard to define what it is that I'm, right. that I'm actually saying there when he's, when he's creepy, it's like, he, he actually is genuine in walking up to somebody and, and giving them a hug and, and kissing them on the cheek. I mean, it's a, it's a genuine, uh, 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 caring, uh, uh, you know, compassionate human. And, and it's just, it's just hard to, to accept as, as a human. I mean, we all want our space. We all want to, you know, stay right. at least 12 inches, uh, you know, away from me at all times. You know, that's a, everybody's like that. So, right. uh, well, you know, I quote unquote, very affectionate. Now it's creepy and sexual it, harassment. Yeah. <laughs> well, the woman that the woman that is the assembly woman, um, Lucy Flores, uh, she yeah, claims that, that Biden kissed her on the back of the head. But she's not saying that it's a sexual she doesn't feel sexually violated, but that she still feels violated. And I'm like, well, right make up your mind. That is, you're either violated or you're not. So, you know, so she feels violated by his absolutely genuine and, and, and non-sexual advancing uh, way that, that he is. And, and I'm sure there's a lot of people, there's picture after picture, after picture of Biden uh, oddly, it would seem oddly, you know, kissing someone or, or touching someone, and it's like, but that's not Dude, what they made a website doing. already called Creepy Uncle Joe. I mean, it's gone viral. <laughs> that's what I'm talking it, about, right there. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's it's just crazy, but you're right. I mean, when you look at it, you look at these pictures, and it does look really creepy, and it kind of, I guess, maybe. May yeah. But it's like you said, it's, a, it's an affectionate way. It's not in a sexual way at all. And it's, it's also perception. Kind of a, There's there's a lot of those right. pictures that, you know, you take a picture from the wrong angle and it looks really, really uh, uh, nefarious. It looks really it looks really creepy. It looks like you're doing something that you shouldn't be doing. There's a there's a picture of uh, I don't know which prime minister um, uh, uh, and he is getting out of his car and he's holding up three fingers. I don't know which prime minister it is. Um, and he's holding up three fingers, and but there's a picture of him getting out of the exact same car, holding up the exact same three three, uh, three fingers, because he's communicating to his security staff or to somebody on some issue. And and if from the other angle, it looks like he's giving the crowd the finger. So right. because it, it only looks like he's holding up his middle finger. So depending on the perception, depending on the angle. He was like probably a foot and a half away from that girl and it made it look like he was like rubbing her chest or something. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and I've experienced this in, in, like when I beat up Luke Perry on 90210. We do this in the entertainment business, in the movies and in TV shows during filming. I I never touched his face. I, I was never near his face a good foot and a half away from Luke Perry's face every single time I swung at him. So it's not, you know, where body shots were different. Uh, he actually wanted me to hit him, but that that's that not what I'm talking about. It's, it's the, you know, it's it, the, the angle 
of the shot, right. it, you couldn't tell that I wasn't smacking him upside the head. So you couldn't, you couldn't tell at all. And it looked very painful and that's his performance. Um, but you know, you can't, you can't tell uh, on some of these angles. Like you just said, he could have right. been a foot and a half away from that girl. And yet it looks like he's right on top of her. Well, one of the ones they have in this little creepy uncle Joe thing is the, the woman that's in it's already creepy uncle out. Joe. <laughs> Dude, that's hilarious. Creepy uncle Joe, creepy uncle Joe. But one of the women that was in it has said, has gone and said, this guy was comforting me when my husband was ha- having a lot of problems. He said, this was a very innocent picture that you've now put up on this website that depicts nothing of the thoughts that was going on at the time. So it's kind of sad. I understand in the times that you really have to be careful and Joe may be out of step that way because it, it is a little creepy, even though it's just very affectionate. It's not sexual at all. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. But I think this, Nevada Assemblywoman got a little carried away because she's really for the other candidates, and I thought she thought this might help. I, I, I don't. I think she had ulterior motives. Let's put it that way. Now she wait on it. Oh, they all do. It's politics. 2014. That happened five years ago, and she decides now she wants to talk about a kiss on the back of her head as creeping well, her out. He's, so, he's mm-hmm. probably going to run. He's probably going to run coming up here. So, you know, they're oh, trying yeah. to battle. They're trying to hit that down as quick as they possibly can. Right. Well, that's an interesting topic, though. I'd love anyone to call in and talk to us about that. What they think of creepy Uncle Joe. 347-989-0126. There you go. Creepy Uncle Joe. I love <laughs> it. Um uh I wanted to Okay, you wanted to talk wanted me to talk about the weather a little bit. All right. Well, uh, Mozambique got nailed by a cyclone, which is really a hurricane. I don't know why they choose to typhoon. Dude, it's a hurricane. So um, uh, depending on the area of the world, it's named something else. Um, And this hurricane that just hit Mozambique last week uh, that we were talking about a little bit or two weeks ago even, um, uh, it is now causing a cholera outbreak in Mozambique. And there were thousands of people that were killed. Thousands were washed out to sea. Uh, oh they're, yeah, uh, they're not even going to be able to ever really count how many people died in this. And the, cause they don't have a real census over there. It was, it was mainly low income areas that just completely devastated, uh, just completely devastated. No homes, no, no nothing. And they've got no medication now. Um, this is cholera. Uh, uh, guys, uh, we haven't had cholera in, 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 in a modernized world in uh, easily, what, 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 1930 here in the United States was, you know, the last time that we saw any cholera. And now we're seeing cholera here in the United States as well. And it just reflects on what can happen if there's an actual a uh, 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 natural disaster that completely in- inundates an area um, and that there can be an outbreak that is deadly from a virus that we've already eradicated. We already had a vaccine for this and it's eradicated. Now with all these people not getting vaccines anymore, you'll see it come back. I, people right. are so dumb. 
I don't understand it. I just, I, I just don't understand it. Is, is it really that they just gave us uh, enough education so that we wouldn't question the education that they gave us? Is, is that it? Is it really just that? Because that's really lame, folks. It's really, really lame of you. You're smarter than that. So, you know, keep learning. Keep going on this. And understand that vaccines eradicated viruses. The sock vaccine eradicated polio. These are vaccines that scientists came up with in order to make sure that diseases and viruses don't attack us in the future. And if you don't get those vaccines, you will be not only do you do you will you get those viruses yourself or your children if you're not giving them vaccines, um, but you are capable of making your kid contagious to other people. So, and these are people that have actually been vaccinated, but then those vaccines don't work because your kid infected them. So I'm, I'm really troubled with the ignorance on vaccines. And currently we're seeing a really, really monstrous bad epidemic case of cholera right. in Mozambique. It's only across the ocean, guys. It's not, <laughs> it's not that far, you know, and it doesn't take anything for a wind to get across the ocean. And, you know, a lot of these viruses are not airborne, but some of them are. And all it takes is for them to travel. It, 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 what, we're flying back and forth all the time anyway. So, right. you, you know, you got somebody that's contagious. They, they're just flying from one place to another and dropping it everywhere they go. Uh, I don't understand these anti-vax things, and it, it's becoming really, I mean, it's not epidemic proportions, but it can be very easily. And I don't understand what their, uh, what it is. I haven't seen the link. I think Darwin, I think Darwin, I think Darwin would be very proud right now in this moment in, in, in our time period, because it's, it's, it's getting back to this survival of the fittest. Uh, natural selection, you know, those that are strong enough to survive in this, they will survive. And so will their descendants. So, you know, I, I, I think Darwin we're deciding not to do the vaccines, which is the weirdest part of it. It's like we're creating yeah. our own Darwinism. <laughs> yeah. Like, come on, guys. It's yep. just freaky. I don't understand. All right. Let's see what else we only have. God, we only have about five minutes left here. Five minutes. Okay, well, let me talk about hemp real quick. Um, the hemp production, uh, hemp is the strongest natural fiber known to man. The Civil War was actually fought about hemp. It was not fought about cotton. Hemp is, it was our rope, was our clothing, was uh, a- a- anything that we needed. That It's the strongest natural fiber known to man, and it grows wild all across the United States. Um, in Japan, they are currently using hemp to soak up the radioactive poisoning that happened because of the Fukushima power plant during the uh, earthquake and tsunami that hit Japan in 2009. So 10 years ago, all right, we're still dealing with this crap. Um, And they're using hemp plants. So they're using the male form of marijuana because that is what hemp is. Uh, They're using it as a filter and they're sucking up the radioactivity out of it and out of the ground. 
and using hemp to do that. The problem is, is that um, uh, some of the hemp products are contain now radioactive materials. So they're, they're selling them back to us um, and they're contaminated. Uh, some people actually are ingesting these hemp products because they're supposedly good for aches and pains. I, I, hemp it usually isn't good for anything except for, like I just said, it's the strongest natural fiber known to man. So it, it's great for rope and clothing and, and stuff like that, uh, bags and, and, you know, and purses and, and stuff like that. But, but not so good for ingesting. Uh, there is no cannabinoid. Uh, cannabinoid is what is the painkiller in marijuana. And there is no THC in hemp. So you can smoke an entire tennis shoe and all you're going to get is a headache. Um, the, it, you can't, uh, it, but, but some people are ingesting these hemp products because they come in a powder form and they're known to help people uh, with different ailments. Uh, the, uh, no, hemp products, not so much. Uh, CBD oil, yeah, yes, CBD but you, oil, once again, that's one thing. Yeah, right. Yeah, hemp, hemp products, no. If you're if you get, if you're using a hemp product for pain, you're using the wrong product. Um, uh, but for you know uh, your your shampoos and I mean there are different things that we can use hemp for, um, but not for painkiller. And CBD is what's in in marijuana, the cannabinoid. And, and those are only in the female plant in the female side of the plant. So, but you have to be careful because it does get mixed in. It's weed, it's marijuana. It's called weed for a reason. It grows like a weed. So female and male both get mixed into this. So you kind of got to be careful on what you're ingesting as far as the CBD oils that are coming out of Asia that are coming out of Japan. I don't know so much about the stuff that's made in the United States yet. I don't know how much, how many toxins are actually in those oils, but I do know people are getting sick. So well, it's from funny you say using that because that was radioactive one of the lead articles in my local newspaper today, because they just legalized at state level to grow it in Ohio. Um, what happened was it was part of the hemp or weed. Farm- hemp. Hemp has been legalized. We, we, legalized, we legalized medical marijuana a few years back and it's, just now coming about the last four months it took forever to get the processing down on that but they have just legalized hemp growing um like last month because what happened in the 2018 farm bill that was signed on december 20th that the congress did and that was like a a big thing both of them actually got together on that one but it changed hemp from a it used to be a controlled substance now it's yeah. a legal crop and yeah, so, something that cannot get you okay high. <laughs> right. So you have something. To, but you still have to get the state to control okay something. So Ohio just did it, and it was the main lead story in our newspaper today. And it's like 0.3% or something of the CBD oils. So that's what it does in Ohio here, I guess. It's very small dose or whatever that can't do anything for you, like you said. But they think it's going to be a huge boon to the farming here. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah, as long as we start using it the correct way, like I said, for clothing and and for, you know, different. There are different um, uh, like shampoos and stuff like that. But, you know, there are there are certain things that you can use it for, but nothing to ingest. It's not it's not it won't help you. It won't help you if you're ingesting it. It's the CBD oil that are that are only going to help you. 
on it. On, on yeah, so far, it. I think Kentucky's approved 42,000 acres for growing hemp. Um, Colorado, 16,000. And I think Ohio is supposed to be close 31,000. So it's, it's good. It's coming about, so that's a that's no. It'll it'll really help us to become more self-efficient and self self-sufficient. And you know, like I said, the the Civil War wasn't fought; it was fought over hemp, and it was fought over hemp farmers not knowing who's gonna you know pick their fields, who's gonna you know make sure that their businesses are going. So, how about just paying them instead of owning them? How about just pay them? That's that's you'll get there workers, you you'll get people that'll come out into the fields and pick whatever you need them to. You need to pay them. All right. And we're going to finish on that today, boys and girls. Thanks for tuning in. Um, give us a call. Tell us what you think about hemp. We got all sorts of topics we can talk about tomorrow. We can carry things over here. Uh, good show, my friend. I like the show today. Yeah, it was fun. Thank you. All right, guys. I really have, appreciate uh, doing it, dude. It's Oh, it's, I love having you on, my friend. Believe me. All right, guys, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break here. We're going to play a little song starting in just about a minute and a half. Left the straight show beyond. We have my buddy Jason Stewart coming on today. Great comedian and actor from Birth of a Nation. So many other great things. And a playwright out of uh, New York, Frank Avella. You've been listening to Standing in My Soapbox right here on Left of Straight Radio. Peace. Welcome to the Left of Straight Show with your host, Scott Fullerton, as we discuss everything under the rainbow sun, from LGBT issues to foodies, entertainment to books. Join us as we talk to some of the most interesting leaders and celebrity LGBT guests and allies on the internet. So grab a cocktail, it's always happy hour somewhere, and enjoy the show. Now, here's your host, Scott Fullerton. Well, howdy, 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 everybody. Welcome to Left the Straight Show, my friends. It is Monday, April 1st, 2019. I will be your host for the next couple hours, Mr. Scott Fullerton. Have a fantastic show for you today. In just a couple of minutes, I have playwright Frank Avella calling in from New York to talk all about 
his recent works, and some are getting some fantastic reviews from New York to Rome, Italy, believe it or not. And then in the second hour, our good friend Jason Stewart, actor and comedian, will be calling in to catch us up. Phil said on a couple of his upcoming appearances. Hope you guys all had a great weekend. I am a little tired, but doing fantastic. I had some intern training over the weekend. I uh, brought aboard eight interns for Left of Straight, or eight, six interns for Left of Straight Radio that are starting today. Uh, fantastic, diverse group of people, so talented. Um, we have a we have people of all colors. We have transgender. We have bisexual. We have straight. We have allies. It's going to be a fun time putting this all together. So listen for that. And I'm going to introduce them all to you tomorrow. They're going to be my first guests on Tuesday's show. I'm going to have all the interns come on and introduce themselves, talk about what they'll be doing a bit. So you can tune in tomorrow and meet all of them. That'll be a lot of fun. I also officially launched the Indiegogo campaign for the big gay road trip to Palm Springs this June. So I could really use all of my listeners' help in getting the financial goal here so we can add some extra elements to this year's. The biggest thing this year is we're adding a third day of shows. If you remember the big gay road trip from last year, we had all the live Left of Straight shows every Monday and Tuesday from the Indulge Resort in Palm Springs, California. But it's a gay men's resort, so I can only bring gay men in to interview because we did it live from the resort. This year, I want to bring in our allies and uh, have a special – I've been talking to the LGBT Center in Palm Springs to to record a a third show on Wednesdays and bring some allies in and some of our women friends, people like Ann Walker from Very Sorted Wedding. Uh, people like, oh God, there's so many to choose from, but we're going to, uh, we're trying to, but that's going to mean separate hotel rooms that we're going to have to pay for and accommodations for that. So there's an Indiegogo campaign. You can go to Indiegogo.com and look up big gay road trip or go to the website, www.leftofstraight.com. That's L E F T O F S T R and the number eight.com. Click on the Big Gay Road Trip um, button in the navigation up there. You'll find out all the information, what's going on, who the guests are, and there'll be a link to the Indiegogo campaign there. $10, anything $10 would be fantastic. That'll help us get these hotel rooms. Our goal is 8000 for the entire trip to get enough hotel rooms for everybody for the month that we're going to be there for gas and food and lodging for the drive from Ohio to Palm Springs and back. Mom is going to be joining me for half the trip, so you get to meet Mama Linda out there. You can actually join us as part of the road trip and be on a show. So please check out the Indiegogo um, campaign. Contribute if you can. I would really appreciate it. You can get T-shirts, postcards, swag bags, and more. I want to give a big shout-out to my media partners, Pink Banana Media out there in New York and Los Angeles, the I Love Gay Twitter 360 Network that's going to be shouting out all of our shows for us and talking about it. Thanks for being media partners. Of course, our first official sponsors are CBD Candles out of L.A. and TH Productions that has brand new series coming out very shortly. So big thanks to them, and I hope you'll follow along on the Big Gay Road Trip this June when we go from Northeast Ohio to Palm Springs, California for a month's worth of shows. 
So definitely looking forward to all that. A couple quick things before we get started and bring our first guest on. Uh, yesterday was International Trans Day of Visibility. So a big shout out to all of our transgender friends and listeners out there in the country and across the world. Uh, I'm so excited to have a trans intern as part of Left of Straight Radio that started today. She is amazing. And then on April 15th, you're going to want to tune in. I have Zach Barak coming on. He is a young transgender man who is featured in the upcoming Spider-Man movie, Far From Home, and featured pretty prominently in it. So he's the first transgender actor to appear in a superhero Marvel film. And I'm going to have him on the show in just a couple short weeks on April 15th. So you want to tune into that. So great day for a day of visibility yesterday. And again, a big shout out to all our transgender friends and listeners out there. Uh, Niall DeMarco, who's been a good friend of the show that we like to follow. Of course, he is um, out and hearing impaired and uh, is doing so much for LGBT rights and for non-hearing rights, everything. And he had a big dust up with United over the weekend. He's been trying to get closed captioning done on all the airlines for especially longer flights. He was on a five-hour flight, I guess, something, and nothing is closed captioned, so he couldn't enjoy any movies or anything on there. You're kind of stuck sitting in a plane for five hours. And they've got it pretty much on all transcontinental when you're going to Australia, but they're trying to get them local. So good on him for keeping that fight up. Uh, things in the news, there's a – I won't even get into that. I talked about that on my political show. If you want to hear all my political rants, be sure to tune in to the hour before the Left of Straight show every Monday through Friday from – 4 to 5 p.m. Eastern time is standing on my soapbox with me and my uh, co-host Craig um, Hurley, where we talk all about the news of the day, politics, and pop culture. So be sure to tune to that, but let's go ahead and get right into the show here, because in just a couple minutes, we're going to have on Frank Avella, fantastic playwright out of New York. Let's take a quick break here. We're going to play a little Steve Grand Disciples. He's going to be on the show very, very soon. Getting ready to go back this summer to his Provincetown uh, residency that he does every summer. So we'll play a little Disciple. When we come back, we'll be talking to Frank Avila. And then in the second hour, comedian and actor Jason Stewart. You're listening to the Left of Straight show right here on Left of Straight Radio. Jesus be my daddy, father my light Walks through my dreams, draped in white Like a child, like a child I ain't scared of dying when I'm living the circle Be a loyal disciple till I get my fix
Today is a playwright whose works have amassed many, many nominations and recognitions, playing from New York City to Rome, Italy. He's received fellowships from the, I'm going to kill this, Bogliosco Foundation and the New Jersey Council of the Arts. His play Consent is a semifinalist for the Eugene O'Neill National Playwrights Conference, not his first time over there. And the screen adaptation is a quarter finalist for the 2019 Creative Writing Screenplay Contest. I'm excited to talk about all of his work and his contributions to the Society of LGBTQ Entertainment Credits as well. Please welcome to the show for the very first time, Mr. Frank Avella. Frank, how you doing, buddy? God, how are you? It's a pleasure to be on. Thank you. Well, it's my pleasure to have you, my friend. How's everything in beautiful downtown New York area? Uh, it's, it's actually a nice day up for a change. <laughs> Very nice. We had a little snow here in Northeast Ohio, snow flurries yesterday. I was not happy. Spring was supposed to have sprung, but I can deal. It's Ohio. It'll change soon. (laughs) We had spring on Saturday, and then on Sunday it became winter again. There you go. Welcome to the (laughs) East. I'm so glad our friend Tommy Garassi introduced us, man. Uh, He's got to actually see your plays. Thanks for coming on the show. Talk about uh, how how you know Tommy. I will. And a big shout out to Tommy. Tommy's amazing. Uh, Tommy's a great writer, first and foremost. And uh, he's been such a great supporter of my work. Uh, he's been to numerous readings. He, he came to the, the Lord, which premiered off off Broadway this past November. Uh, he's just been an extraordinary um, a, a supporter. Uh, you know, he's written some great stuff as a matter of fact, uh, about my work and about the, the incredible ensemble that uh, we put together. That's fantastic. He's such a good person, and he's really good about sharing. He's all over New York and L.A. and everything. So I'm so glad he was able to get us together here. But let's start from the beginning. I always like to start from the beginning from new guests. Give me a little bit of background. Tell me where you grew up, 
what kind of a kid were you, and what did you want to be when you grew up? <laughs> well, uh, wow. Uh, let's see. I grew up in North Jersey and, uh, you know, pretty much in, in suburbia. And uh, what I wanted to be is a really good question. I, I knew I was always good at writing. Um, I always thought I'd end up a journalist. I actually uh, went to Seton Hall University and uh, I minored in journalism there. Um, and somewhere along the line, I wrote my first play. Uh, but you had asked me what kind of kid I was. I don't, you know what? I was, a, I was a movie geek, uh, for lack of a better way of putting it. I, I was nice. and yeah. still am such a fan of films that, you know, I was kind of this, this kid who lived and breathed movies. And, you know, uh, so I lived in my own little bubble world of uh, movie geekdom, and I was actually really happy there. Very cool. I love that. And so you knew early on you wanted to be a writer then? That was kind of one of your first callings and everything? Yeah, I did. I just didn't didn't know that it was going to, you know, be for the theater. Uh, I, I re- Again, I really thought I, I wanted to be a journalist. And um, I ended up doing my grad work at Tisch, uh, NYU. And I, I, w- I went in for film, but I, I begged myself into a dramatic writing workshop and the man who taught the workshop, Gary Garrison, God bless him, uh, I, I ended up writing my first play there. And I realized I had a knack for it. Um, so I wrote, you know, again, wrote my first stage play. I, I thought it would always be a screenplay, but it was a play. And that's kind of where, where it all began. Um, and my, my first few awesome. plays were, yeah. Thank you. Well, tell me about, it's, there's so many terms around. Talk about the term the playwright dramatist the the dramatist the the person who writes the book what how do these plays come about do they start as stories first and you adapt them into plays or how is your writing process or do you write as a full play talk to me about your writing process a bit that's a really that's a great question and it's always really tricky i think it comes in different ways really uh first of all playwright dramatist are pretty much the same thing uh book writer is the person who's responsible for the dialogue in a musical um and i have written the book for a musical actually uh but for the most part i'm a playwright i've also written screenplays um but you know again it, it'll depend like with lord which is uh about the Russian persecution of gays, I was just so angered by what was going on and I needed to write something. So I literally trapped myself in a room and uh, I forced myself to write something that was really, really brutal. And that would put the audience right there in the room with these, these uh, persecutors. Um, when it came to Vatican Falls, I kind of had a couple of different stories. And one I knew was about the Catholic sex abuse scandal and the other I knew was a romance. And I kind of merged both stories together. And uh, gosh, I've been working on that one for a decade now. So (laughs) sometimes they happen really quickly and sometimes they take, they really kind of take a long time to come together. Gotcha. I understand. And uh, talk about all these great fellowships and awards you've won. Um, That's got to be pretty exciting and humbling at the same time. Uh, absolutely both. You know, I'm, I feel like I'm, I've really been blessed, especially in the last couple of years, because I, I got the Boliasco Fellowship, which gave me the opportunity to go to northern Italy and spend a month doing nothing but working on my craft, uh, mm. being treated like royalty, like seriously, three meals a day, 
all the booze you can drink. And and then what's so important, right, right? And what's so important for playwrights and for any artist is to actually just be nurtured and given a space where you're able to actually write, where you're able to create. Um, I think it's so important, the work that they do. But, you know, I, again, I, I have been blessed. You know, I did get the fellowship from New Jersey Council on the Arts. That was for my play Consent, which is an O'Neill um, finalist uh, right now. I, I'll find out this month what, you know, whether I move forward or not, knocking on wood. Uh, the same play was actually an O'Neill finalist back in 2012. So it's the thing the way these things work. And last year, Lourdes was an O'Neill finalist. Um, Lourdes was uh, at the William Inge Theater Festival. You know, again, it's been, it's been uh, uh, three years of, of uh, my work actually finally uh, seemingly seeing the light of day, which is pretty tremendous. I, I feel really blessed. Well, that's exciting for you. I'm so happy for you. And a lot of these plays, they center around LGBT topics, so I don't want to assume but I'm going to assume you're part of the community. If you are, talk about your coming out. So when did you officially come out to yourself and then when to others? I am. I'm a very proud uh, and out part of the community. And uh, it was a, it was a, a weird coming out for me in many respects. I'm not one of those people who claims that he knew really early on. I mean, now looking back, of course, there were so many signs and sure I had crushes on, you know, my grade best friend and things like that but I was almost married to a woman when I was 19 uh so yeah my story's a little weird it wasn't until college that I uh ended up kind of coming to terms with the fact that I really had an attraction uh to men and uh you know I don't I don't necessarily label myself but I'm I am happily married to a man and uh, you know it's you know so I (laughs) I don't label myself, but I do label myself because I do think it's important to do so. And you've written so many great things about LGBT experience from bullying and so many other, other areas of it. Is it, uh, is it something you observe primarily? Is it something that you kind of think about? Is it stuff, how much of this is self kind of stuff you've lived through and how much of is it observed living? Um, a lot of it is, is observed. I, when, uh, for instance, I, the reason I wrote consent was I wrote consent after Tyler Clemente, um, committed suicide by throwing himself off the George Washington bridge. And I was so, uh, angered that in this day and age, uh, somebody, you know, would think that they had to end their lives, um, you know, because of being bullied, because they were different, because they were unique, because they were questioning their sexuality. So well, what I decided to do is I, I ended up talking to a lot of teens and I ended up getting the lowdown from them about different kinds of bullying. And it, it turns out that it's not just the bullying we we think is obvious, like cyberbullying or physical bullying. There's, there's usually a, a more subtle kind of bullying that's going on. And, and the more I interviewed these kids, the more I realized that there's, there's a story to be told here about these different subtle kinds of bullying. And that's really where consent came from. It's about a 17-year-old boy who's trying to get along in America, today's America, which is a really divided America, um, and uh, who is being bullied because he's different, because he's unique. Instead of celebrating his uniqueness, um, they decide to denigrate him. And uh, and it, what I love most about Consent um, is that at the heart of the piece is a gay teen love story. 
And that love story is told without judgment. And um, I, I'm, I'm just really, really proud of that part because I don't think we get to see that enough. Uh, and, right. uh, and I'm also really thrilled that uh, this play is going to see the light of day later on this year. Yeah, that's great. I want to get back to that. I want to talk about some of the older things. Talk about, I was reading through all your works. You had such a great um, a list of accomplishments and works here. Talk about For Mama, because that's so relevant in today's day, talking about not only um, sexual orientation, but race and ethnicity and everything. It's so prescient for today. Talk about how that came to you and what that's about. Wow. You know, it's funny. You asked me if I uh, wrote anything autobiographical and then you brought up for mama, which I think is really telling because that comes closest probably to something autobiographical that I've written. Um, yeah, I, I, with for mama, I, uh, I wanted to deal with, with race. It's about, it's a biracial, um, lead who's a, a novelist and he's, he's basically trying to keep his mother alive while applying for Medicaid. Uh, and I went through something very similar. Uh, yeah, I was vi- re- kind of really, really scary uh, go- dealing with homophobia and dealing with um, racism because I, ha- I had a really, really good friend who was going through another experience that was very similar. And the, the thing about being biracial is you're not accepted by either, um, you know, the, the, uh, white people think that, well, you're not you know, you're not white and black people think you're not black enough. Uh, And then when you throw uh, being gay into the fold, well then God, you're really shunned. (laughs) Um, And, and what was interesting about for mama is I I really, I kind of wanted to show how difficult our system is nowadays for anybody who is anything but upper middle class or um, upper class to actually get proper health. For their loved ones, especially when they have property and they want to hold on to their property and not be homeless. Um, so, yeah, for Mama was a really, really uh, difficult play to write, but it was a very cathartic play to write. I lost my mother uh, right before I actually had the uh, balls. Can I say balls? Uh, sure, you um, can say whatever. We're internet okay, radio. Uh, Go for it. <laughs> well, I had to actually had the balls to, uh, to, to go there and, and write this play. Uh, ironically, I wrote it at, I was at a residency um, and I wrote it almost at the same time that I wrote Lord. So they were two very, very different subject matters, um, but they were very uh, the same time. It was a, a very strange time, but a very productive one. That sounds interesting as hell. I love it. And another one I like, cause I like a good, dark comedy. I like kind of twists and turns. I was reading uh, about Nemesis. Talk to me about that. That sounds like a really interesting uh, play. I like that. I like that. Oh. Uh, <laughs> uh, wow. Thank you. I'm very proud of Nemesis actually. And it's not one that, you know, uh, really ended up seeing the light of day. I have a little tidbit for you though. Um, do you know uh, on, on Queer Eye? Um, oh God, who's the food guy? Help me out. Uh, Oh, Antony. Um, I'm trying. Antony. Uh, right, Anthony. Anthony um, Horowski. He was actually uh, one of the leads in the very first reading of Nemesis. Uh, it's just a little tidbit. You're kidding. Uh, he's actually, How no, funny. he's a very good actor. Uh, and this was way before Queer Eye. Um, but no, Nemesis was about this um, 
block writer who basically fills his time up by picking up unattractive men in gay bars. And one day he encounters a, this ridiculously handsome 18-year-old who Anthony played at the time. Uh, and uh, it, it, it turns out that it's this ruse by the man's daughter, uh, who we didn't even know he had a daughter, to get revenge on her father because uh, he abandoned her. Um, of course, he's gay now. And, and, and it, it's a really twisted story because the, the boy ends up kind of falling for the older man. And uh, there, there's, some, there's some very interesting, I mean, it's really, it's about the all-consuming nature of revenge, if, but it's also about a lot of other things. It's about uh, how we don't choose who we're, we love, ultimately. Um, and it, it blends harsh realism with this black comedy melodrama. Uh, it, it's a very, very interesting play. It's also a short play. It's only 90 minutes long. That's cool though. I like. I just like I said. I go through all of your plays, and some of these things really catch me. And I kind of give you the other ones that really caught me off guard. I want to hear about how this came about. But the bubble just sounds fun as hell. Tell me how this came about, and talk about that a second, because the synopsis is like amazing. I got to tell you, dear God, the bubble was a blast. The bubble is actually uh, one of the last plays that I had. Um, self-produced, and that was back in the uh, mid-2000s. What I wanted to do with the bubble, the bubble started out as a one-act, and I wrote it because uh, we needed a piece for an evening of one-act, and it was about a playwright who decides to turn on him. Uh, Basically, they (laughs) kind of declare mutiny on him, and uh, they start changing the work before him, and there's nothing he can do about it. Uh, It was a lot of fun to write, and uh, a friend of mine said, Frank, this is a full length. You should write it. And um, my friend, Ginya Lemos, who is a great actress, she used to be on As the World Turns. She's actually in Brazil right now doing really well. And so I took her advice, and I turned it into a full length. And uh, Act Two ended up being this very complicated uh, rehearsal process piece. Um, where different genders played different roles. And then act three was the play itself. And the the strange thing was there were some audience members who really got it, and there were other audience members who were kind of confused by it. Um, But it was a blast (laughs) for me. It was so much fun. And we had such great actors working I love when when the characters become a life of their own and, and kind of break that fourth wall kind of stuff. That's fun. I love that kind of stuff. That's awesome. All right. Yeah, well, that stuff is real fun to explore. And take our first quick break because I don't want to interrupt us as we get into the three big meat of the manor stories here. Because I want to talk about all these great plays um, in just a couple of seconds. I want to talk about our trip to Italy and so much great stuff. So we're going to take a quick break, uh, play a little Matt Stern, travel around your world. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about traveling because uh, Frank took one of his plays to Italy not too long ago. So you're listening to Left to Straight Show right here on Left to Straight Radio.
see the water in the veins that's overflowing You can never see the walls that were supposedly left before me Never keep my mouth shut Always wanna give it and never wanna give up I'm just trying to keep this holy Leave the rest to destiny We are back, guys. That was Matt Stern. Matt is actually was on the show a couple weeks ago. He's going to be joining us on the Big Gay Road Trip in Palm Springs. He's going to be coming all the way down from Canada to join us on that. So looking forward to that. Guys, we're having a great talk today with uh, playwright Frank Avella. Frank, I want to talk about these three current plays that you're working really hard on right now. Let's start with... um, Lured because you got to bring this to Italy. I'm so jealous all of a sudden. Talk about this play <laughs> and this great adventure in Italy you got to have. I would be happy to. Yeah, Lured, um, Lured has been quite a, a ride. Um, last year about this time, uh, well, well, first of all, um, I, I wrote Lured. Uh, Lured is about vigilante groups who lure gay men via the internet and abduct them um, in, in Russia. And this is something that was starting to be reported in uh, 2013 and uh, in 2014 especially. Uh, so I did, a, I did a ton of research, and it was really, really important for me to make sure that um, Lord remained really honest, and that meant that it had to be violent and brutal. And it was a very hard play to write. Um, and when I finished it, it was almost immediately accepted into the Dream Up Festival at Theater for the New City. And uh, we mounted a production, and we sold out every performance, which was extraordinary. I don't know where these people came from. Uh, two <laughs> years later, 
uh, at right that we were accepted into the um, onstage uh, Italian festival in Rome, which I could not believe. Um, and uh, a few months after that, Theater for the New City said that they wanted to produce the piece. So me and my brilliant co-director, Carlotta Brentan, who is also in the play, uh, put together an Indiegogo campaign so that we could actually do all this. And uh, we were able to make it happen. So we had a three-week run in November where we had full houses. I, I, again, I don't know where everybody came from, but I'm really, really grateful. And they were willing to put themselves through what was a very, very difficult evening of theater. Um, but it was a really, really re- rewarding evening of theater, ultimately, uh, I think. Um, and then uh, we all, the entire cast, and uh, me and Carlotta, of course, went to Rome with the play. And um, it, was, it was so celebrated there. Uh, it, was, it was an extraordinary experience. Uh, I, I think everybody had such a great time. Some of the cast members had never been to Rome before. So, you know, we got to go sightseeing and we were, you know, we were given brunches and dinners and, and we were treated like real artists, which was really nice. Um, it, was, uh, it was a once in a lifetime experience. Very, very cool. I love that. Italy knows how to treat people, it sounds like, from your fellowship to, to welcoming to open arms. I got to go to Italy more often. That's all there is to it. That sounds like a <laughs> I very inviting place. <laughs> Talk about that. Now, I'm doing, today I launched my very first Indiegogo campaign to try to help me do my big gay road trip where I bring my show live to Palm Springs. Talk about an Indiegogo campaign for you. What's it like having to do all the promotion on that and fulfill all the perks? Did you find it a good experience? Is it something you would do again on a project you're really passionate about? Or talk to me about the experience of just Indiegogo in general. You know, and if you asked me last year, I would have said no. But because, you know, nobody likes asking people for money. But I know. That's what I hate. (laughs) I I know. (laughs) But you know what, though, Scott? People really surprise you, and they they are more generous than you can imagine. I mean, and it's always the, the people who really don't have that much money that end up being generous, which is ironic. Right, um, right. We, yeah, it's really true, but, you know, you get the word out, and we were very, very fortunate on Lord because we had some angels step up and, and really help us significantly. And then, you know, and, and this is something I recommend to you. What we said to people is, you know, give, give $5 because it's less than the price right. of a movie and it really does matter. And you'd be surprised how many people would be willing to, you know, give $5 to a cause. I think, I think one of the crazy things is that everybody's doing it now. So it's saturated and, and everybody's doing yeah. Facebook birthday thing, you know, with charities. So there's just, there's just, too much out there right now um but i do recommend it and you know it was a good experience um i'm glad i didn't have to do it alone carlotta was uh my my right hand on all of it um you know i I don't think i could yeah i could not have done it without her yeah i love donating to indiegogo's i've done to quite a few web series and things it's just like you said though it's very hard to ask people for money to begin with it also becomes like a little self-worth involved. Well, if I didn't make it, why do they hate me? <laughs> so it's like, I think I'll try this one time and I'll see what the experience is like. But I'm glad you had a great experience. You did go above and your bond beyond your goal, which is fantastic. Talk about this. You talked about the writing process a bit and how this is a really tough subject matter. How much do you have to take that into account? Do you take your 
um, viewers or your your audience's frame of mind in in sight with that when you're writing something like that, or do you just have to get it all out and then edit and edit, edit to make it acceptable for an audience? How's that process for you for this print? Because it seems very passionate for you. Another really really great question, and I think um, uh, with Lord things were a very atypical. With another play, I might have taken the audience a little bit more into account. But with Lord, I was I was sure that when I wrote the first draft, um, the audiences like we would lose fifty percent of the audience after the first ten minutes because we are we were really brutal in the storytelling because we wanted to t- I wanted to tell the story the way it was, the way it happened, and that was really really important right. to me. So I have to be honest with you, with Lord, I didn't really take the audience. I certainly refused to um uh i refused to compromise with it uh you know i refused to make it palpable for the audience you know what i mean yeah exactly i love that and i love that artistic um the vision and and the guts to do that and it had to be even more fulfilling when the audience kind of came aboard with it and everything too that has to make it twice as sweet when that all comes together oh my god it's it's just, it's the greatest thing because you realize, well, wow, they under, they got it. It's just as simple as that. They really, really, really got it. And, and we were also very lucky because, you know, we had, we had actual refugees who came who said, you got the story. You know, I mean, I'm not Russian. Uh, You know, I didn't go through this myself. So the fact that, you know, we were being told that it was their experience, we had shown them their own experience was, so gratifying. It was it was absolutely extraordinary. I also think sometimes we don't give audiences enough credit. L- look at what they, what we all watch on TV all the time. I mean, we we watch. We I Game of Thrones is my favorite show, and look at right. the stuff that's on Game of Thrones. Um, we we need to give the audience a little bit more credit for being able to deal with subject matter. I love that. Oh, I'm so happy about that play. I can't wait to keep hearing more about it. Let's jump into consent for a second because this is so right today and so prevalent and everything, talking about trying to find your identity and being more increasingly divided. And we know that hate crimes have gone up and we have all this split between white nationalists and all this other things. It's a very prescient piece for the time. Talk about where this came from and the writing process for this. Yes, absolutely. Well, you know, I mean, I, I mentioned that um, it was Tyler Clemente's suicide that kind of spearheaded uh, my, my, my writing it. And uh, I, it was just a really, really important story to tell. You know, I wanted uh, to tell the story of a teen boy um, who uh, is, is very unique and thinks, you know, he, does, he questions rules and accepted modes of behavior. And he's living in this, it's any small town USA is where the play takes place. Um, and they expect him to conform and capitulate, and uh, he doesn't want to do that. And he's coming to terms with his own sexuality, uh, which is, you know, proving to be difficult in this small town. And uh, all these things make him the target of, of, of bullying. And uh, there's also a subplot where his mother had abandoned him two years ago, and she comes back into the fray. And his uh, coach, his high school baseball coach, it turns out he's in an, a very – um, he's in a sexual relationship with his high school baseball coach. Uh, and and one, of, one of the reasons all of – I wanted to show how for so many kids growing up today, 
the adult figures in their lives are behaving more selfishly and more like children than the actual children. Because this was something that I was encountering when I was speaking to so many of these teens. And I wanted to know why so many gay teens decide that suicide is the only option. Um, and so it's, it's something that, you know, it, it is really, really, really important to me and that I was able to explore with this piece. Um, and writing the screenplay version really helped me go back to the play and make certain changes that, I, you know, were necessary and have really helped uh, breathe new life into the play. Um, it's, just, it's timelier now than it's ever been. We, we did a reading at um, SUNY New Paltz, uh, the college um, up in uh, New York, and uh, the response from the, the kids up there w- was just extraordinary, you know, uh, telling us how, how much, you know, they felt that the kids in the piece talk like kids. They talk like them, and they're going through the things that they're going through. And so many of these teens actually told me about their coming out stories and, and about their, bu- their being bullied and, and the sexual abuse that goes on that none of us want to talk about, which, of course, I'll talk more about when we talk about Vatican Falls. Um, right. You know, I'm yeah. I'm really really proud of this play. You should be. I love that, and I love. I mean, we people forget that time. It wasn't that long ago, but Tyler Clementi was like the first big name about three to five suicides that all happened in a very short period of time um, for yeah. bullying and being gay and everything. His was high profile because of the actions that people around him took. But such a, a hard story to go with, and it's got these great recognition for it. Now you've been. The O'Neill Playwrights Conference is amazing, but this is not your first rodeo there, right? Didn't, weren't you there before? Uh, I was a semifinalist before. Yeah, um, you know, I've, I've never, I've never made it. I'm hoping to this year. Um, I've, I've gotten close. So, you know, it's one of those things where you know you're happy to be nominated, but you kind of really, really want to win. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Putting that True out into that. the universe. Yeah, I love that. Yes, uh, let's all put that out there. That's amazing. I love that. Well, that is exciting. We're going to be following the story on that. But let's jump into Vatican Falls because it is still in the news for way too long a time as far as I'm concerned. Uh, this Catholic sex abuse that we're still talking about. And it's happened. We're a very Italian section here in Youngstown area where I'm from uh, at right now. And the story just doesn't seem to be going away. So talk about the play and talk about everything associated with the play here. I would, yeah, absolutely. I would love to. Scott, can I just quick mention that um, we, uh, Consent is being produced later on this year. And uh, I just wanted to mention that it's being directed by Tony Speciale, who uh, used to be the artistic director of Abington. He's a, he's a bloody genius. And uh, uh, yeah, I'm really excited about working with him. And we have a reading coming up here in New York at Theater for the New City on April 15th. Just wanted to throw oh, that congratulations. out Congratulations. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, thank you for, thank thank you. for throwing that in. Oh, I sure. just go back to it for one more second, too, because I do want to talk about the – I love process questions. Talk about the process of adapting a play, because you talk about going to a screenplay. What is that like? What are the things you have to think about in, in jumping to a different genre like that? Um, is it timing? Is it character development for ratings? Or what do you have to think about bringing something from a play to an actual screenplay? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, first and foremost, and, and this is where I think uh, too often um, adaptations don't work, I think you need to re-envision the play because it's, for, it's being done in a different medium. It's, film is a visual medium. Right. 
So you need to find uh, visual equivalents of a lot of what is just spoken on stage. Uh, the wonderful thing about it is all of a sudden you can create as many characters as you want. So all of these alluded to in the play are, are now living, breathing people, and, you know, they're able to interact. You can also, uh, for me, it was very um, liberating because I was able to make the timeline uh, what I really wanted the timeline to be. Uh, I was also able to open the, the screenplay in a way that I could never open the play, uh, which um, I'm not giving anything away. The opening shot of the screenplay is uh, an iPhone recording water shooting onto the face of, of the main character, Seth. It turns out oh, wow. that he's, uh, one of the bullies is, is, is kissing on him. Uh, that's how, that was the first image I have always wanted, but that's not something you can do on stage. I wouldn't have the power. Sure. Um, wow. Uh, of course, now that I've that's now that somebody's going to steal it. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, you know, it's, it was great because it enabled me to uh, re-envision so much of the piece. Uh, and it also helped me, like I said before, to go back to the play and uh, make some significant changes. Um, I always wondered how the pro- I love how process of things go. And writers, I'm kind of a, an amateur writer, and I love seeing how different people's process work. Let's get back to Vatican Falls here. We have about ten minutes, so I want to get into that, and I want to talk about uh, Gallica a bit. But talk about Vatican Falls because it's a it's a great piece as well. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, that, honestly, this piece has like literally been 12 years in the making. Uh, it, it's an epic play. It's the journey of one sex abuse survivor seeking retribution from the church. Here's the thing. It's this nonlinear multi-genre play based on factual accounts and events. Uh, follows the life of um, a character named Ricardo. He's an Italian-American, uh, and he's struggling with um, how his priest could do what he did to him. And in anybody who's who managed to see Leaving Neverland will understand that in this play we talk about the grooming process and we talk about how he literally, I mean, you fall in love with the person who is molesting you. It's just what happens. And this is something that, you know, I've been talking about for the last decade now. Um, that Vatican Falls has had this insane history. We have had literally seven world premieres canceled. One in particular was the night before it was scheduled to open, and this was in Rome, Italy. This was in 2011. Um, the night before opening, the play was canceled, uh, allegedly because of death threats. Uh, the dramatist wow. Gil here investigated. We never did find out why. It, the thing is, though, Scott, every knock is going to boost because every time the play was um, either canceled or the rug was pulled from under it, I've been able to go back and I've been able to make it a stronger piece. Now, again, with Carlotta, Carlotta Brentan, who is, was my partner on Lord, and she's also an actress and a co-director on this. We just put a workshop together last month, which went really, really, really well. And the play is, is ready for, um, it's ready for rehearsals. It's ready for a preview period. It's ready for a production. Uh, it's never been nice. more ready. Uh, yeah, sometimes the setbacks push us the farthest. I mean, we really want to, we learn from them and we take it and it kind of turns into one of our proudest achievements once it actually gets done, right? 
They do. They they do, and they galvanize you. And you know they they you know I, I have to admit the Rome thing devastated me. Um, but I licked my you know I spent a month licking my wounds, and then I I uh, put together another workshop of the piece. Um, so <laughs> I'm I'm grateful I've had the time. I, I the way I look at this play is it's, it's needed the journey to get where it is. And if you look at all the news just in the last few months, the the Vatican. I mean, it's insane. The, the amount of, of, of cases that are still being reported, the, uh, right. it's only going to get crazier. Um, you know, there's a lot of countries like Italy that are still not reporting. You know, they're, they're still not admitting what's going on. And then it, it's eventually going to happen. And uh, good old Pope Francis, who everybody thought was the second coming, he's pretty much done nothing. And I know a lot of people are going to point to just a couple of days ago with his new rules. But his new rules can be interpreted in different ways. So it's, it's, it's a lot more about not much that we're getting from the Vatican in terms of dealing with all of this. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why this play really, really does need to see the light of day. I also think it's an incredibly entertaining play, as opposed to Lourdes, which, you know, is kind of, uh, I, I think, you know, Lourdes is a great play, but Lourdes captures you and traps you. And, you know, um, it's, there's not much humor in Lourdes. Vatican Falls has something for everybody in it. It's an epic story, and there's a love story at the center of it. And, you know, there's, there's really a lot going on. Uh, but I think for the survivors, it's a really important story to tell. I bet. Wow. Yeah, because it, it's not slowing down. You're hearing more stories about it all the time. So it's it's so relevant. And even though it's taken all this time to get there, it's it's not lacking in news freshness. That's for damn sure. So yeah, no, I, hate, no. I hate that we have to keep talking about it, but it is there. And I'm glad well, to see that your take on it is going to, I'm sure it's going to be um, widely received because it, it is. It's such a strong talking point now. Good on you for I that. So. You are just awesome, my friend. I love this. Let's go off Thank the plays you. for a second. Um, well, first off, I mean, you have all these great uh, backdrop of plays. If people wanted to produce your play of some kind, can they reach out to you? Or are you able to let people do your plays as well? Or are they just right now in your repertoire for when you're ready to work with them? Oh, no. I, people can reach out to me. I would be more than happy. I want, you know, my plays to reach as wide an audience as possible so they can uh, – they can reach me at um, F as in Frank, A as in Apple, J as in John at AOL.com, which is my email, um, or Frank J of L at Gmail, whichever. Uh, or they can call me directly at 973-715-2356. I am, I am here to discuss any type of production of any of my work. That's fantastic because I went to that uh... – newplayexchange.org because they have some the great synopsis. That's why I spent like an hour and a half reading all the synopsis of all the plays there. And I really recommend people go to that because it tells everything. It tells how many characters you need. And so if you guys are a theater company out there or even a high school production company looking for something good LGBTQA, you definitely need to go check this out because I am loving all this stuff, Frank. Let's jump into Gallica for a second because I want to talk yeah. about because I am a huge movie TV fiend watch way too much of both talk about how that came about joining that and what you do with that talk about the organization what it does and your uh your interest in it sure uh well i'm uh i've been a film journalist for a number of years now you know i always i always call it my uh my hobby 
uh, even though it's like, you know, <laughs> I do make some money doing it. Uh, and uh, I was lucky enough to be asked to join. Um, I write for Edge Media Network now, and I also, I used to write for NewYorkHole.com. And John Griffiths, who's our executive director, he's amazing, uh, asked me to join. And uh, I became the East Coast rep and studio liaison. Gallic is basically, it's the Society of LGBTQ Entertainment Critics. And each year we host the Dorian Awards, and that's for excellence in film and television. Uh, and, you know, we're really proud of, you know, the choices we make. Uh, and uh, uh, we, we, I, I think we're real, a really, really great organization. Um, and, uh, it's, you know, I'm, I'm really proud to be a part of it. That's fantastic. What, do you, what is your genre, your go-to genre when you go to, talk, to write about films or something? Do you have ones that you particularly enjoy over the others? Or what's your genre of entertainment? I do. Uh, well, I tend to focus on, I love focusing on um, LGBTQ themed films um, simply because I feel like they need to be championed. I'm also a champion of Italian films, um, being an Italian American and a proud Italian American. Um, there are very few, by the way, LGBTQ Italian American films, but the few that are out there, I like to champion. Um, I am. I like all genres of film, really. Uh, the the one, the tricky one for me to get into is horror. I have to admit, uh, my husband loves horror movies, and he's constantly forcing me to watch them. I just don't get the genre. <laughs> I'm with you, my I, friend. I I don't. I'll say not that you. I don't get it. I just don't like to cringe and. I, I I think I have a metal block on it because when I was 14 years old and not really out yet, I went to see my bloody Valentine with a friend and I held his hand so high to the whole thing that he, I think I kind of freaked him out. So now I don't like horror movies at all because I don't like being scared. <laughs> yeah. I, it's yeah. It's block. one of those. Yeah. It's very rare that, you know, I will say like I saw us the other night and I really love that. Um, but I think that movie is more than just a horror film. So, you know, when it's a, a genre blend, I tend to appreciate that a lot. Um, but just horror, yeah, you you usually lose me. Yeah, I, not for that whatsoever. Um, let's see. Let's go ahead and take a, a final wrap-up here. We just have a couple minutes left. Let everyone know where they can follow you on social media, if you'd like, or and then give them your address. Do you have a website? Uh, you know what? You can go to LordThePlay.com to find out more about Lord. Um, to find out more about my work, it's what you, you'd go to New Play Exchange and then type in my name, Frank J. Avella. I am at F-J-A-K-L-U-T-E. That's Fodge Clute. Uh, on Twitter, and that yes, that is named after the Jane Fonda movie because I worship Jane Fonda. Um, <laughs> and I'm at Fodge Clute on Instagram as well, F J A K L U T E. And if you type in Frank J. Avella, you can find me on Facebook. Very well. Well, Frank, it's been great having you on the show for the first time. We have to have you back, especially when these plays start getting produced again. Um, congratulations for all the success, my friend. That's fantastic. Thank you, Scott. I so appreciate it. This has been so much fun. No problem. You're welcome back anytime, my friend. Stay on the line for me. Guys, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to play a little bit of our friend Kenneth Mogan's Holy Water. When we come back, we're going to have the amazing comedian and actor, Mr. Jason Stewart. 
That's in the Left of Straight show right here on Left of Straight Radio. Alrighty, we are back. That was Kenneth Mogan with Holy Water. Guys, I'm always excited to have my next guest on. He's making his fifth appearance here in the Left and Straight show, and I really do consider him a friend of the show. He's, of course, a trailblazer, coming out as an openly gay comedian back in 1983 and wowing crowds and comedy clubs all across North America ever since. And as an amazing character actor, 
He's shown some amazing acting chops from his film Coffee Date, which earned him a Best Supporting Actor nomination for the Gator National Film Awards, to his own projects like Ten Attitudes and Like Father. He's been upping the game with each project, from Tangerine to Birth of a Nation, to his current role as the lead character of Hank. Let's go ahead and welcome back to the show my buddy, Mr. Jason Stewart. Jason, how the heck are you? Wow, it sounded like you were talking about somebody else. <laughs> you are pretty damn impressive, my friend. I could have gone on and on and I, on, but you only have a half hour today because you're a busy man. All yeah, these meetings uh, in Hollywood you're attending. <laughs> yeah, I'm home. How's so it going? I'm good. I got all the times mixed up. I'm doing fine. I'm actually in my car, which is what we usually do in L.A. We're all in our car. Of course. <laughs> And this is I the way like we drive it. all the time, everybody. We're always driving, you know. If it isn't me, it's, it's driving my mother around. She always says, I want to <laughs> drive. I said, you, I said, you're 81. You're not driving anymore. I forbid it. She says, you can't Thank talk you. That's to me what that I'm way. Saying. That's she what says, I'm saying. I'm a home health care for my mother. My mom just turned 80 in January. It's the same thing. I don't want to drive. My mom still has, she'll drive on occasion, but she still has the mommy arm that no, whenever she breaks, you put that arm out right in front of you. Cause you're, <laughs> it's like okay, whatever. But yeah, I hear. Well, you. we don't live together. We don't live together, thank God. But I do love her to death. I mean, she's you know she's uh, 81 and still shops at Forever 71, and she does lo- love <laughs> Ross Dress for Less Tuesdays, Senior Tuesdays. You know, the other day she bought a blouse that has three arms. I said, Mom, that blouse has three arms. She says, I don't care. I'll make a bow out of it. It was a dollar ninety nine. I got six. <laughs> Go, mom. Oh my God, I love it. Well, we don't have much time to talk, and you have a lot of projects going, my friend. So let's go ahead and jump right to it, because I want to talk about your recent trip to Philadelphia. You always work with some of these people that I admire so much. You were down there with Daryl Stevens, who I love. Stevenson, talk about uh, heading down to Philadelphia. What that was all about. Well, um, I was lucky enough, Hung Ji uh, Lee directed this incredibly wonderful film called Hank that's doing the festival circuit, and I've got some of the best reactions since I have since Birth of a Nation for a role, and it's about this uh, middle-aged gay couple that have been together and are deciding whether or not to have an open relationship, and I haven't played a gay role in a while, so this is sort of wonderful, but the part, you know, that's where it stops. It's really nothing like me at all. He's sweet and quiet and has a hard time talking. And he's just the complete opposite, you know, of me. And uh, he's from Texas, and he's living in Los Angeles with his musician husband and trying to figure that out. And it's a really quiet film, a quiet, sweet film in this uh, director from China is only 25 years old. He's done a brilliant job. And I'm really excited to be a part of it, you know. That's exciting. How was the reaction in Philadelphia? Really wonderful. I don't know if we won any awards. I'm actually supposed to call them today and find out. But it'll be in, uh, oh gosh, it'll be in, uh, I should really put all this on my website. It's going to be in Boston on the, this coming weekend at the Wicked Film Festival. It was just in Columbus, and it's going to Copenhagen. It won Best LGBTQ Short, the Los Angeles Film Festival. 
And uh, I think that's it that I can remember. Nice. So that's kind of great. And how was it to get together with everybody? And what did you get to do there? Was like a little red carpet for it or just a nice screen? Oh, yeah, there was a big opening night for Doug, for Doug Spearman's film. And I got to hang out with my pals, Doug and uh, Daryl Stevens. And Daryl got an award for his uh, career, you know. And it was his film, a romantic film. And then I'm off in the next month to do stand-up again. I'm doing my... Shut Up, I'm Talking Tour, which is dedicated to my mom, and it's going, and I'll mention it, you'll be the first show, I think I mentioned this on, it's uh, going to be, I guess, it's, it's going to be the title of my book, it'll be coming out Ooh. in the summer. We have a scoop, boys and girls, there's going to be a book coming out, I love it, you're going to be doing it back to back in just a couple weeks over at Bar Lubbock and Martini's Above Fourth, right? I'm doing Martinis of a Fourth on the 18th in San Diego, and then I'll be back at Palm Springs on May 4th and July 13th. And then, if you really, if you're if you're out in uh, the Nevada area, I'm in uh, all doing all the casinos, doing a number of doing three different casinos, three or four casinos. Nice. Now, do you do those on your own, or do you have like an opening act? Did you bring someone with you? I'll have an opening act and a featured act in those. In the uh, gay rooms, I usually just have one. I'm going to have Shan Carr is going to do my show in, uh, in Palm Springs on the 4th. I'm not sure who's going to do uh, the July date yet. I can't re- I'm going to figure that out right. soon. Very but, cool. Uh, Let's go back to the movie. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. You, you go ahead. You go ahead. Me go ahead. Well, I want to get back to the movie for a second because you have some more movies coming out. And like I said, you always work with the people that I want to talk to so much. Michael Yuri is my secret boyfriend. It's so secret he doesn't know it. You have a movie coming out with him. And then um, Mario Van Peebles, who I also love. Talk about those two movies while we have a chance. I have a movie called Abducted, and I play a detective. I'm the sidekick to this really pretty girl. Uh, her name is... Uh, Compton Taylor, wait, she's got three names, and she's really talented. Do you have it in front of you? Oh, gosh. Um, and she, okay. she's the head detective, and I play the uh, sidekick. I'm the grumpy, you know, sidekick guy who uh, basically I pretend I'm my brother. I walk around, and I'm slightly irritated all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And that movie comes out you were born to play. It, Nothing like me, honestly. Sort of a grumpy kind of guy that has his glasses on his head all the time and a lucid tie and says things like, all right, Scott, what happened today on the show? All right, I don't care. All right, next. <laughs> We're moving. And then the other part that Scout I do Taylor is... Scout Taylor Thompson. Scout Taylor Thompson. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's wonderful in the film. And it's really got a great right. cast. Michael Jury. It's like a it's like Ransom, Ransom, that old Mel Gibson film. It's about this uh, guy who's in, uh, I guess, uh, one of the wars. I can't remember which one, but <laughs> Afghanistan, right? And uh, he has a daughter because he's a widow, and his his daughter stays with his wife's uh, gay uncles, brother and brother-in-law, and it's really never talked about very much. It's not a big deal. That's just. You know, it's just part of it, and, and the kid is kidnapped at a party, and that's what the whole film is about, is the kidnapping. 
Oh, okay, very cool. And then talk yes, about Immortal. Action Immortal is a really interesting film. It's four stories about four different people that try to die but don't. And it's got an incredible cast. Uh, Dylan Baker from Homeland and Mario Van Peoples from Everything and uh, uh, oh Robin gosh, Bartlett. I'm mad about you. Robin Bartlett, Robin Bartlett. I'm mad about you. She's so yeah. good in it. And each person dies from different reasons. And, and I work with Sam Levine from uh, Freaks and Geeks and Glorious Bastards and stuff and all these comedy shows you know him from. And he he plays this guy that was hit by a car. And I play a private investigator. And I have this really long, long scene within the next five or six minutes in this movie. So and it's really great. And I play this very intimidating, very quiet-voiced, low-voiced guy. And uh, it was a, a really different part for me. Nice. You've been doing yeah, such yeah. amazing I, acting work. It's got to be really gratifying to get all these roles uh, to you. How Are people coming to you more and more now? Or are you still going out auditioning a lot? But you've just been landing some, some amazing things roles. Come, some things come really, really easy. That film came from just sending a, the, the director, John, uh, uh, a demo reel. Uh, Abducted, I actually auditioned for. Uh, and it's so funny because I had fallen asleep on my couch. It was in this last summer, and <laughs> I fell asleep <laughs> on my couch, and I realized, oh, my God, I have to go. And I was like 10 minutes late for the audition. That's so not like me. Completely you know, not Mr. like professional. me. You're professional. You are very professional, yeah. of course. Yeah. Wow, and I walked funny. in, and I said, I'm so sorry. I said, I'm, I fell asleep on the couch like an old person. And they said, we're behind. No worries. <laughs> I went in there and I read. It was the most racially diverse crew I'd ever been on, which was sort of wonderful. Uh, yeah, I you know, imagine. it was. It was really no. You you don't have that often. Middle Eastern people, uh, you know, gay people, black people, white people, Asian people. It was sort of wonderful. Latino, you know. I actually uh, on Hank, which was a lot of Asian people, certainly, which was really cool. Russian DP and uh, the. The Latin uh, makeup gal, I actually hired her because I recently completed my own web series. And that's another thing I'm working on. <laughs> you are no, no rest for the wicked, my friend. You are busier than hell all of a sudden. Good for you. You've always been working it hard. Been, it has been busy, yeah. Well, talk about I mean, today's April Fool's Day, and you're on all these sets now, and you've gone to all these comedy shows. Are you a pranker? Or have you seen a lot of pranks go down? Well, I'll say this is a prank. I'm dating. A, I started to date a 31-year-old singer who's out, and it's my first time dating someone out, but I won't say who yet. But um, that's interesting. That is so, kind of amazing. Is that an eight? I, 31, dear God, I could be his dad. <laughs> it's interesting. You know, I've just given up. I've given up. I've totally given up. It, it up. I tell you, whoever, if I really like him, I like him. I used to think, God, I can't date someone that young. But, you know, I don't know. It just seems like whatever people, you know, you have, when you have a connection, you have a connection. And I've always been very young at heart. Definitely. I'm a person. I've never been an older guy that says, oh, I'm not doing that. I always say I, have, I don't know how to do that yet. Right. I mean, right. I just had my, my my website redone, so I had all my social media 
had people judging all my social media, you know, trying to redo my uh, updating everything. And I was told by one of these influencers that I, they said I had one of the highest um, engagement for anybody in my age group. And I thought, wow, great. I don't know what that is, but I'm happy I have it. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's influencer status. You can start getting the swag and have them coming after you with the swag when you're an influencer. Well, I'm, I'm and you verified have good on Instagram. I'm verified on Instagram. You need to work and I'm that, verified stuff, my on friend. Facebook. If you're but Twitter a won't verify right, that's nice. I like who won't <laughs> Twitter won't. <laughs> Twitter has not verified me. Unbelievable. That's, just rude. <laughs> right? that's rude. I didn't even know that's what it, rude. I didn't even know what it was until someone told me. But it's apparently <laughs> a big deal. It's all about the blue check, my friend. It's all about the blue check. Definitely. <laughs> you know, David Spade is going to be doing a new show called uh, Verify. Oh, really? Oh, that's kind of funny. I like that. Nice. Yeah. Talk about your podcast. I love the name. Should I love any great guests coming up? Yeah, Anyone I, I, to be a lookout? Well, I've been, honestly, I've been so busy. I haven't had time to do it. I recently interviewed this wonderful performance artist, comedian, uh, Fiona Goodman, who did a show called a very lesbian, uh, a very British lesbian. And I went to see her show, and she was just brilliant. And I'm going to do Carol Eda White from Laverne and Shirley soon. I just haven't had time to do it. And then there's a, a, I can't say who, but there's a negotiation. Maybe I might be hosting a radio show once a week, one of the kinds that are in your car. I might be doing that. It just doesn't seem to be happening. Uh, That would be amazing, though. I would you love to hear that radio. That would be great. Yeah. Just take yours up to the next level. If they don't hire you, just bring yours weekly. Pretend like that's a gig and get some sponsors. You're you're an influencer now. You have you have engagement. You can do it on your own. <laughs> I, I have been with. I have I have a sponsor uh, for Should I Love, and uh, I have a sponsor for that, which is uh, but uh, my friend Scott Crawford, who owns a bed and breakfast, Costa Crawford. And he's uh, he's been sponsoring me, but um, just you know, there's just so many hours in a day, and I'm trying to get up for this sure. big movie. I'm waiting to hear. You know, I'm up for a big movie. I'm waiting to hear about that. So there's all sorts of things. There's just you know, we're editing the web series Smothered. That's with my pal Mitch Hara, who co-wrote it with me and co-produced it. And it's about this older uh, gay couple that hate each other but can't afford to get divorced. <laughs> Oh, I love that. I love that. That's hilarious. It's my second day. I mean, you're you're blowing up so much these past five to ten years. Have you had to change your whole – have you always represented yourself or have you always had agents and publicists and everything around you, or was it easier for you to do that? Well, you know, when when Birth of a Nation came out, my my notoriety went up ten, you know, ten steps, you know, and then when right. it wears down a little, you'll go back five, but you're still you're still five feet above. And then when the scandal about the film and it didn't go as, to the awards, to the Oscars like it was intended to, you know, it was, right. it was really hard for me. That was really a big disappointment, not just for me, but for everybody involved. Right. You know, and. But the film itself is brilliant, and if you haven't seen it, you can see Birth of a Nation 
on HBO and on Amazon and all these things, you know, for a couple of dollars. It's really, it's something I'm so proud of, and I, I just feel so lucky to have been a part of it. And I hope that it, 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 more people see it as the years go on. It, it was an amazing performance. And even, I mean, I came across your uh, web series with, with uh, Paul um, the other day. It's on, um, shoot, what's, what did I see oh, it on? Did I see really? you on? It's on? I have a web series yeah. that I did a number of years ago called Mentor, which I directed That's the one, and produced. that's the one, Mentor. I just Mentor, came yeah, what I see it on. Did I see it on Prime or where Amazon did I see Prime. it? Saw it the other Amazon day. Prime. Yeah, please that, everybody put a comment on there. I'd like to get a little uh, bump on there. Yeah, put a comment. Please it's so funny when you well, always I'll focus on you, you always focus on the one bad comment that you get. <laughs> like on the other film that I directed, exactly. like Father, last year was sold to Deku. And uh, it's a little drama that I did, and it's on Deku and Amazon Prime. It's one, you know, I got all these great, you know, four, it's four and a half stars out of five. It's just great. And this one guy says, there's nothing funny about Jason Stewart, you know, or something like that. You know, there's no way you can, he was so mean, and I, or she, I don't know. And, and I, of course, obsessed about that. And but what's so funny is I don't think he ever watched it because he thought it was a comedy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's ridiculous! So I that oh was my really god, funny. I love that. And there's always somebody that wants ha- to say something. Exactly, someone's always trying to bring someone else down just to ruin their own life. There. Now you have a possible book deal you said coming up. You have a possible radio show. Well, no, so I, do, I do have a to- I do have a book deal. I, that is for sure. It hasn't been announced in a big way yet, but uh, it's it's called Shut Up, I'm Talking, and it's going with my tour this year. And, uh, you know, it'll probably be, I'll be talking about it for the next two years or so. You know, right. so what and about I'm really excited. Film projects, I mean, you've done such great with Like Father, um, Ten Attitudes. Are you looking to do more of your own film projects and direct again ever? I don't know. We'll see. Right now, uh the next thing I'd like to do is get a, a really nice part in a, in a studio film or a series. So that's what I'm, that's, that's what I'm focusing on. I have a new manager. So, and I, so I'm focusing on that. That's other than the uh, web series, the book and the, <laughs> God, I'm other than that, you're making me, and the tour, and you're making and me the tour. I wasn't even that aware. I wasn't that aware of it. Until you, now you put it all together, I'm going, dear God, because I always think nothing is going on, you know, and I, I think, oh, my God. <laughs> you are you know, always busy, my friend. You should be proud of all the work you're doing because it's just, you are just doing yeah, fantastic really work, and everything gets better and better. You get better every day. I hope so. I mean, you you really have to work hard to uh, – decide what you're going to do, what you're not going to do, who you're going to work with. It's really, it's not easy. You know, it's not easy to pick the person you're going to have represent you. And it's a relationship. And it's never been an easy thing for me to do. And I certainly have made a lot of mistakes, believe me. And I've made a lot of mistakes in my own career. You know, there's certain club owners that won't book me still, you know, because of whatever. It's also because I refuse to be treated like a second class citizen. And there's been a lot of harassing. 
And I, you know what's really interesting, and I'll talk about this, about being bullied in the comedy world over so many years, and you don't realize that, and I hear all these women talking about being bullied at their job and sexually harassed, and, you know, a lot of times I've been sexually harassed by straight guys at my job. Wow. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that they're interested in me sexually, but you, you can be sexually harassed without being somebody being interested in you sexually. And I think sure. that's something people, you know, so it makes your working space not safe. Well, especially and being a trailblazer like you were, coming out so open and just living life on your own terms, I guess it had to be hard those first couple of years for sure, at least. Maybe dozens of years, I don't know. But you've been, you've been doing was, this a long time. It was, it was really uh, scary, honestly. In those days, and I, I often talk about, I wish that I would have been able to, um, I wish I would have been able to enjoy it more, but I was always so afraid I was going to get fired, and I did. I got fired several times. I got fired off a sitcom called uh, Less Than Perfect because they decided they didn't want the character to be gay, and uh, Sherry Shepard, who was a regular on the show, was the only one that called me. The only person out of all the people, you know, and finally I'd heard from the, heard from the director, you know, weeks later that just one of the producers got a bug up their butt that they didn't want the character to be gay. And the character was a gay character. Right. Instead of asking me to play in a different way or having a conversation with me, they just fired me. Wow. And it was just devastating, devastating. And there's been clubs that have been, that have, you know, fired me. There's the people that have fired me before I got the job. You know, we were talking about, a girlfriend of mine and I were talking about oh, white privilege. And I said, I'm Jewish and gay. This is a couple of years ago. And I said, how can <laughs> I, you know, I'm Jewish and gay. How can I have, how can I, you know, how can I have white privilege? And she says, because you get to walk into the room and get rejected. In person, you know, I can't even get into the room. Oh, My that's friend a good happened, point, I guess. Uh, a black woman actress. Right. And I think that's right. It's the truth. It's the truth. You know, you can't turn somebody in a room, but if you can't get in the room, you can't turn somebody. So I do have white privilege, but you know, not for long. <laughs> it doesn't last a long time. <laughs> there you go. Well, hopefully this 31 year old singer can start to support you in the next 10 to 20 years here. You can just relax. Oh, you know, <laughs> I would love to, you know, we, we've just started to date, but I, I just would love to uh, to find somebody terrific. I thought I did early in the year, and the the, the last the last the epilogue in my book it says fuck. Who, oh, can I say that on your show? Yes, you're good. Oh God, it says fuck, and then my uh, ex's bo- name, which I used a fake name, Antonio, and he's, he he the uh, the uh, one publicist said that's the only thing that I think that you should change because it makes you sound <laughs> so this. And I said it, you know, to be funny, but, um, you know, it, it, I was upset at the time. It was November when I finished writing the book. And, uh, you know, now I'm going to rewrite that last epilogue because I think I have something different to say. Gotcha. I, well, I remember, I like I said, when I had you out – when I had you out in Palm Springs last year in August, 
we had talked about this relationship and you were kind of excited about it, but it was a little iffy because he was so closeted we talked about. And I got really invested in it. When I found out you broke up, I was all broken up about it. So, But I'm glad well, you're dating an open person. Years, he was closeted years ago, but he wasn't closeted now during our relationship. And he had broken up with his husband, but then apparently he uh, went back. You know, he's He's Italian from another country, and I think – Oh, there's just a lot of it's very difficult to get your papers now and he married the wrong guy and you know, God bless him. I'm moving on. There you go. You go for it with your hot little thirty one year old singer. I like it. Want to have him come out with you to Palm Springs this year. We'll see what happens. All right, well you gotta wow. get going. I know you have meetings to go and places to go. I wanna talk though about you mentioned it briefly, I wanna talk about this website. If people haven't seen it yet, it's an amazing rebuild of your website, all the social media on the left, everything you're doing. Talk about who built this thing for you and give everyone the address where they can find it. His name is Pele, and what all you have to do is go to my website, go to the contact page, and email me at Modern Artists. That's my company. Or what you can do is you can just send me a message in in, uh, social media through any of them, and I will – uh, return it and give you his email. He's terrific, and he's somebody that he was. I gotta say, you know, I find most people that work in computers annoying because they don't communicate well. But this guy was just great. And my website, please, everybody, tell me what you think. I want everybody to go look at it. It's jasonstewart.com. S T U Stewart A R T. And uh, I so look forward to uh, having everybody's feedback. It's just up and running in the last month the new one well it is amazing looking and i'm sure you're going to get lots of great comments for it jason thanks for coming on the show reminded hank is playing at the film festivals now and the next wide open where's where's the next place they can see you i guess it's going to be the 17th at bar lovich and the 18th at martinis the next opportunity Uh, yes yeah oh god you please why don't you say you you know better than me (laughs) <laughs> get to Bar Lovitch if you're out in the LA area get to Bar Lovitch on the 17th see Jason with a great group of people then go to Martinis Above Forest in San Diego on the 18th and then we're going to be at the Copa in May and July so I'm excited for you my friend I always appreciate yeah, really, you on the show I, well I'm going to try to come out and do, I will do a longer interview in June I'll try to do that that would be amazing. Stay on the line for me, guys. We're going to play out little Matt Van Fossen. I'm about to come alive, and I'll be back to wrap things up in just a couple of minutes. You're listening to the Left of Straight show right here on Left of Straight Radio Network.
All righty, guys. We are back. That is our friend Matt Van Fossen. Just on a couple of weeks ago. Please check out all the old episodes and subscribe. Go to your favorite podcast distributor, iTunes, Spotify, Google Playlist, Apple Podcasts. You can find us on all those. Look up Left of Straight Show. You'll never miss an episode. We'll send you an email notification when it's ready. You can listen to it at your leisure. I'd appreciate if you would uh, listen and give a comment. Give us a five-star review. I'd appreciate that. Big shout-out to my guest today. Thanks so much to uh, my two guests today, Frank Avella, playwright from New York. you got to check out his work. And, of course, Jason Stewart, our buddy, actor and comedian. Um, so much fun stuff. Guys, today was the premiere of Gossip Boy, the series, their third season. If you have not checked it out yet, go to Gossip Boy, the series, all their social media and their webpage, and you can check out the newest uh, season, season three. It's dedicated to um, Guy Preston, who uh, is an actor in that, who passed away, uh, sadly, this past year. And big shout out. He, guy was a great guest on the show before. And I love Paul Storiali and all the guys over at Gossip Boy. So please go out and check out Gossip Boy, the series, season three, premiering today. Go check that out. And then go check out the Left of Straight Big Gay Road Trip on Indiegogo. I can use your contributions, guys. $5 would help. $10 would help. Whatever you can do, I would appreciate it. Help us get some allies and ladies on the Left of Straight show in Palm Springs this summer. Help take care of the gas. It was a big expense that I paid out of my mom's pocket last year. I would love to have a little help with that this year. Go to Indiegogo.com, I-N-D-I-E-G-O-G-O.com. Type in Big Gay Road Trip or go to my website, www.leftofstraight.com, and click on Big Gay Road Trip tab, and it will take you over to there. Appreciate all the help you can get with that. Share this with your friends. Sorry we finished up a little early, but Jason had to get to a meeting today. I appreciate all of you guys for being part of our listeners. Tomorrow, we're going to have all the new interns on and a very special guest after that. Thanks for listening to Left to Straight Radio, and we will see you next time. Have a great night. Bye-bye. Blog Talk Radio. It's time for Standing on My Soapbox the daily rant and radio show. We talk about all of the good, bad, and the ugly of current events. Join your host, Scott Fullerton, and co-host, Craig Hurley. You, our listeners, are invited to call in and stand on our soapbox with us. Call 347-989-0126 between 4 and 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Monday through Friday. That's 347-989-0126. Now, here are your host and creator, Scott Fullerton, and co-host, Craig Hurley.